Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today, I have a wonderful guest with me. Her name is Whitney Fox. Uh, She is a medium, psychonaut, and paranormal experiencer. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Super happy to have you on the show. So, First question I like to ask people, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, so um, in the little intro that you said, uh, medium, uh, paranormal experiencer, and um, you know, psychonaut, um, obviously there's a lot more. I've got you know, like other stuff I do for a living and that kind of thing, but these uh, things have always been an interest of mine. Um, I guess you could say um, consciousness explorer. I don't... Uh, almost all other topics are pretty dull compared to that in my book. Like it all comes down to consciousness. So, um, you know, through a lifetime of um, not everyday paranormal experiences, but plenty of them out of body experiences, a very dramatic UFO encounter um, witnessed some stuff with a poltergeist, uh, something that I could only call a demonic experience. Um, lots of deja vus and some precog and um 
I said out of body experiences, uh, uh, almost a lifetime of um, night terrors um, and, uh, and lots of battles of light and dark in these night terrors, you know, to, to a point where I finally had to learn how to manage my life there and become lucid to some degree to kind of manage that. Um, and then, you know, a little later, because I was so aware of, um, you know, the continuity of consciousness, um, both of my, with the death of both of my parents, um, went through a lot of um, experiences with what's called after death communication. Um, lots of proof that they are around still, and which led me down a path of uh, seeking out a very powerful medium who really changed my paradigm, speaking to my mother through this medium. So um, all of that, and then a later deep curiosity with the plant medicines, you know, started um, doing regular uh, monthly shamanic journeys with uh, a shaman that I met that um, really taught me a lot for a, you know, solid five years of a lot of ayahuasca drinking, a lot of ceremonies, a lot of um, in initiations, a lot of dietas. I don't know if you know what a plant dieta is. Um, for the people that don't know, what do you want to describe it? A uh, plant dieta, uh, they do this in the Amazon. A lot of ayahuascaros will um, prescribe one of the master plants um, from the Amazon. There's many, and it's believed, and I also believe that, um, you know, there's a spirit uh, connected with um, all the plants, actually. These master plants, um, they have many health benefits, but they also, it's believed that they, you know, can teach you. Um, and so in communion with these plants, um, you abide by a very restricted diet, um, including, you know, your mind diet, you know, you kind of have to, it's best to sort of withdraw from, um, society as much as you can so that you can hear the plants, but, um, very restricted diet, like, um, no meat, no milk, no spice, no alcohol, um, very, very bland, very little eating if possible. And then, you know, uh, having a ceremony to open, um, the dieta. And, um, uh, if you're have very little distractions, then you can hear what the plants are trying to say of insight through insights, some lot, often dreams, things like that. So, um, it work. the dietas work very well with, uh, ayahuasca retreats because you become, you know, very cleaned out and they work well with uh, the ayahuasca spirit herself. So, um, you know, I've had, I would say, uh, I've had a great deal of experience with ayahuasca and I've had a fair amount. I've done a fair amount of dietas. And so I know a couple of the plants and I feel like I've learned quite a lot um, during those dietas. It's, it's a little difficult in, you know, living in LA and trying to, you know, um, quiet, you know, be in the quietude, but I have done it. And, um, you know, it's, it's another experience. It's another, um, and it's just another teacher, you know, some wild dreams and, um, you know, I would say if, uh, that might be the best way to sort of describe my spiritual life is, um, I I'm sort of up for anything. I'm up for the next lesson because there's so many tools and there's so many teachers and there's so many levels, you know, right. When you think you'd, okay, I know a thing or two, then you get your ass handed to you and like, you know, nothing. So stop saying, you know, something. <laughs> and that's for sure me. I know nothing, <laughs> but, but I, I do philosophers know. that like to say, 
you will never understand anything until you understand that you know nothing. <laughs> well said. Oh, <laughs> that's it. So uh, going off of, I heard you mention that you had a couple uh, main experiences that happened, uh, such as like the UFO experience and your sleep experiences. Is there any particular stories that stick out that have made you get into this realm of thinking in particular, uh, very defining experiences? Yes. I'll tell you the UFO experience. I'll, I'll lay that one out, but I'll say like previous to that, I, I started, I feel like, I think we all have experiences as a child. I think that part of our psyche and part of our spirit is still a little bit on the other side as a child. And we're just told that it's not real or a dream or you're imagining things. And for whatever, for whatever purposes, I never, I could never believe that I knew what I saw. I knew what I knew. And so the more experiences that happened, especially with other witnesses is you can't really put the toothpaste back in the tube, you know, I've seen it. And so I always had an interest because the rest of the culture was trying to tell me that I didn't, or that I was crazy. Or so I was always a voracious reader on the topic or, you know, whatever, if it was, if it was a book or if it was a TV show or a radio show or any, you know, podcast or whatever, I have the whole time I've had an appetite for it. It never gets old to me. If it's, maybe it's astrology or maybe it's, you know, even if it's just a fictional ghost story, I'm down. I'll read that. Like that's, I don't know. It's where curiosity, curiosity. Right. So, um, so when I was in my early twenties, I'd already had a curiosity, read a lot, everything in the section, everything in the paranormal section of the library of the bookstore or whatever. Um, and in one of the books, and I'm pretty sure it was uh, Bud Hopkins, a UFO researcher. Um, I'm pretty sure it was one of his books, but um, it had said that you could, he had said you could request a flyby, you know, such, such, this was years ago too, before people were doing this, like no one was, it was just a little one blurb of a chapter of a book that was written in 88 or something, you know, Um <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'd found it sort of interesting and I just put it in the back of the mind and I was on a water skiing trip up just North of Los Angeles, um, at a lake called, it's a recreational lake called Buena Vista. So sort of near Bakersfield, if you know, California at all, like, I, you know, out of the city, but not super remote. It's not like I was with like Northern Idaho or anything. It was anyway, water skiing trip. And there was at 25, 20 to 30 people on this trip, couple boats, motorhomes, tents, the whole, and I did this fairly often in my early twenties. And, um, anyway, it was, uh, uh, nighttime and it was the second day. Everybody was exhausted from the, you know, party day, the first day and skiing all day and the whole thing. And, and, uh, so it was just me and two other guys that were still up, you know, there was like a, it was one of the days that like no one was drinking everybody was sort of hungover and just wanted to ski, you know, so a lot of skiing and everybody was dead tired and had gone to bed fairly early, but me and these two other guys, we were literally like having hot chocolate, like not even beers. It was like sober, completely sober, no weed, no wine, no nothing. It was just a, like going to call it a night. Cause we were going to be there for a few more days. And so anyway, we're sitting in beach chairs by a fire and, um, we started talking about the sky, you know, and, and, uh, uh, like what's in the sky and our UFOs real and that kind of thing. And then I, you know, I said, I go, yeah, I just read this book. And, and in it, he said that you could request a flyby, you know, and, and both of them, both guys were just like, yeah, well, yeah, sure. You know, and we weren't even, we didn't even 
like request a flyby. I just said it. I just said the the words, you know, and then one of them like points to the horizon and he goes, whoa, 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 what's that? You know? And, and so, um, you know, me and the other guy are like, shut up, dude, sit down, you know, like thinking he's just, <laughs> you know, and, um, but then, you know, we look over there and there was this, it was like a, what looked like a, like Ferris wheel um, with a lot of lights on it, but it was very far away. So already we were kind of like, that doesn't, that doesn't work with physics. Something that size would have been way bigger than a Ferris wheel. And it was all the way at the horizon. So it was like, it was already a visual mind F, you know, like, wait, what, what are we looking at? You know? And so, um, and then within like a heartbeat, it was over our heads. And so it went from the horizon to over our heads immediately. And so like, we, we couldn't see like a trail of light or anything it was boom, boom, like on off here it was. And it was a black triangle and it was massive. So, you know, I have described it before. And so if you, to try and give you um, a size, so if you could picture something that, that was about the distance high of like a, a pine tree, you know, like a fairly tall pine tree, but, and then if you were to take your hands and put them, you know, out about a yard or a little bit more, that would be about how big it was. So it was covering probably at least half the sky, you know, like oh. it was massive and it was absolutely silent, not a sound. And then, you know, so, you know, the first thing that like I thought in my head was this is completely defying the laws of physics because there's this giant black thing hanging over our heads, making zero sound. Like, first of all, how to get here, you know, like, and so, but then neither one of us, cause we did talk about it later. None of us were afraid. There was zero fear, just awe. And so we're all, so if it's, we're standing, looking up at it, it was sort of on a little bit of an angle, like showing us its belly. So we could see a full triangle, the belly of this thing. And it had a light on each corner. And so the lights were doing like a Christmas tree light chasing, like one light would come on, then the next one, then the next one. And so it was making a triangle shape, but I could, we could see that it was a black, it was black, a black material that didn't have any shine to it, like a matte black. And so I couldn't tell you how long we stood there like that. You know, I have had other people say that they thought that we were probably abducted. Um, I couldn't tell you because also on these trips, coincidentally, or maybe there's no coincidences, it would be kind of like we'd get there and it, you know, we didn't have phones and it was before phones, but um, I mean, <laughs> before cell phones, it wasn't that long ago, I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> Uh, but we would like everybody would take their watches off and it'd be like no clocks. And mostly because it'd be like, you know, is it beer 30? No, it's only 1130, but okay. Like everybody, you know, it was like that, you know? So it was no, no, no watches, no clocks anyway. You know, didn't, I couldn't tell you what time it was other than everybody went to bed early, you know, so call it nine o'clock or something. And so um, there was a point though, that I do remember sort of thinking like, how long have I been standing here, you know, or how long have we been doing this? And so at a certain point, couldn't tell you how uh, uh, long in, you know, I, I had said out loud, which was like kind of the first words or first anything I said, I can't believe my eyes. And the one, the one friend of mine, um, he, he goes, you better believe them. We're, we're, 
we're seeing this right now. And so it, that brought me to a little bit more consciousness and it brought my other friend to some more consciousness um, because um, what, the, what the craft or whatever it was did was if it, it was showing us its belly, then it turned on its side to show us how th- thick it, thinner, thick it was. Mm-hmm. And so when it did that, then the lights appeared as though they were just going up and down because we couldn't see the third corner light. So there were just these lights going up and down. Um, it was just previous to that to though my other friend, he ran and tried to wake people up. He, because the, you know, the, the first friend had sort of brought us to some sort of consciousness of like, whoa, or broke the hypnosis or something. And so uh, he went over and was banging on the side of the motorhomes and wake up, wake up. No one, no one came out, no one. And then all of the other campgrounds were quiet too. So that does make me think that maybe a lot of time had passed because it was, or they couldn't hear us or we were in a different, I don't know. I, I, I say like a I, twilight zone or something almost uh, like everybody's around, but they're not quite in the same plane as you at that moment. That, I mean, that that's the best I can do to describe it though. It was like, we just weren't, no one was aware of us. And I've kind of had that experience with um, some like uh, poltergeist stuff too. Like, it's like, there's a, there's just a slight shift in reality. I, I don't really know exactly other than I hear other people's stories and, and that seems sort of like, maybe that's how some, even like Sasquatch and stuff, I feel like there's this little dim- slight dimensional shift or something. So anyway, um, he was not able to wake anybody up, but he came back and, um, it turned its belly back towards us. And then, it took off in the same fashion it came. It would just blinked out, but then blinked on again at the horizon, but at like a 90 degree angle from where it came. So it came from sort of the north, kind of from the north and then went kind of east. I I didn't obviously have a compass or anything, but that's what it kind of felt like. Where it ended up, and I, I I don't know if this is relevant. I just feel like it's part of the story where it ended up you know, leaving to over that mountain range is where uh, Lockheed Skunk Works is. So I've had other people I've told the story saying, well, maybe it was some sort of, you know, top secret black project. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, could be. Uh, I, I, all I know is that um, we don't have anything that moves like that. And if we do, then if it had any inhabitants, like they would be liquefied, you know, yeah. the way that it traveled, you know, like I'm that much about our physics, I do know. So, um, however, and I also feel like if it, if it is some sort of, you know, black project or something, it came when I said something, when I talked about a, requesting a flyby. So there must've been some sort of telepathic something. And then also afterward, um, it was as if there was a hypnotic, um, like a post-hypnotic suggestion, because you would think that one of us would have been afraid, but we were not afraid at all. And then afterward, we were so peaced out, like just peaceful. Like I thought it was beautiful. Like I went and got in my tent and I was like, that was badass. Like, you know, just happy, like what an experience. Right. And so then the the, and then another thing that makes me think that maybe that was probably very, very late was, um, you know, when I woke up the next morning, I could tell by the light that it was not morning anymore. It was at least noon or one o'clock. And 
and this was like a very bustling campground with like 30 people water skiing and breakfast and, you know, route vacation rowdiness. And, and when I, I'm a, always have been a fairly light sleeper and I heard none of it, I slept through all of that. And then we all came out of our tents at the same time, the three of us, which was also kind of strange and then got eye contact. And I remember thinking in my mind, like, I don't feel like talking about it. You know, I wonder if they remember and maybe they do. That'd be cool, but I'm not going to bring it up, you know? And I was just so happy. I'll just like, Hmm, maybe I'll go water skiing. Maybe, you know? Um, <laughs> and so then um, about six months later, then we were all together. We had been together other times. We were good friends, but about six months later, it's like the spell had kind of lifted. And then one of them brought it up and we were like, Oh shit. You know? Oh my God. I've like, then we wanted to talk about it. Right. So, um, you know, then there, I was maybe 22 or so. And then there was the aftermath of understanding that there was other witnesses, not understanding why that happened. Why me? What happened? Why does it matter? Why am I being lied to by my culture? Like if I tell the story, people look at me at, like I have five eyes, you know? Um, so, but then I'm much older now and I've had many other experiences and um, not least of which is um, I, I had some experiences with what I feel might've been the, the personalities involved when I've been on some ayahuasca journeys, these the same teachers, if you will. And then also, I think that um, there is a possibility. Okay. So much later um, had, you know, had two, at this point I had two kids. I have three kids, but at this point I had two kids and I had this very, I was having a working a lot with like uh, working on try, trying to have out-of-body experiences. And I succeeded a lot, actually, you know, I read the Monroe books and, and then tried other protocols too. And I would have some success, not all the time. It's not like I go, I'm going to have an out-of-body experience tonight. And then I have one, it'd be like, I'm going to have an out-of-body experience tonight. And then I wouldn't have one for a week. And then it'd just be this surprise and be like, Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm out. You know, And then trying to work on staying out, you know, cause it's so shocking and like, uh, wow, it worked, you know? Um, but so I was working with it and, and, uh, uh, other stuff too. It was around the time my mother died. So I was working on the mediumship and, and having these experiences with, um, uh, like I'd mentioned after death communication and, you know, getting signs and reading the animals and, you know, like all this shamanic stuff that I didn't realize was really, you know, shamanic until later. Um, but anyway, around that time I had a, a lucid dream, powerful dream that I was just, um, sleeping in my bed and that this entity came and was standing next to the bed and, he was friendly face, but certainly not human, um, sort of a brownish kind of taller, um, in this kind of robe, you know, sounds like a, a star Wars or something that actually kind of resembled something like that, but a very friendly face. And I was not afraid. And I knew that I was laying in bed and I knew that I was asleep. Um, and that's all I remembered until I woke, I woke up in the morning and, um, I felt my neck and there was like what I felt like, um, like the sorest boil you've ever had. I was like, ow, like what, what is that? You know, like I didn't even want to touch it. And I, I go into the bathroom and, and I see it's like red and I still have a scar. And, and then I start feeling around and there's like a BB in there, like a, 
like a BB gun BB, really, really hard, but super sore. And also like when I would play around with it, I would feel, I would get nauseous. So those, you know, yeah, could have been a dream. I mean, yeah, but what was that thing? Where'd it come from? There was no way I was going to mess with it because it was like, and you might think like, well, maybe it was a boil or maybe it was a pimple or something weird. Um, after a while, I couldn't see anything. I could just, I would roll the BB around on my fingers, you know, cause it just like when I was like, not nervous, but just like messing around and be like, oh yeah, the BB's still in there. Um, and then, but any thought of like squeezing at it, poking at it, getting rid of it was like, that was just, no, I had this, uh-uh, I don't want to touch that thing. I'm just going to leave it. So what, I mean, was it related? I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. All I know is I had that. And then as I, so then I ended up, my, my girls were little, I ended up having a son and then I started to get older. Right. And then I just woke up one day and it was gone. I, and you know, just, and I, but I still have the scar as it was right there. So what does it mean? Was I being tracked? Was I being watched? Were my eggs taken on that experience? Like, I don't know. I really don't, you know, and, but what I do know is I don't have any bad feelings about it. I'm not afraid. I'm not pissed. I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I'm not, you know, none of those things. It just was what it was. And then, um, much later, uh, uh, after I started drinking the ayahuasca, um, I had this, uh, I had set an intent to be, you know, cause you can with her, you can ask questions, especially after you've done a great deal of healing. At least that was my experience. Um, you can start asking questions and place your intent. Like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Like, how, what should I do in this part of my life or whatever? But this one, I was like, okay, what was that? <laughs> and so, uh, it, sure enough, I, I got my, uh, I got visions based on my intent. And one of them, I was in this craft and, and I asked, how is this operating? Like, how are we doing this? And it showed me this like real psychedelic vision of what felt like time folding over on itself and then being like the same time. That's the best way I can describe it. But when I came to uh, from that ceremony, it made perfect sense to me. I was like, oh yeah, you know, like we think we know it all here. We think we know physics. We don't know anything. We, we nothing. We're we are babies in terms of our cerebral uh, cognitive abilities to even comprehend, you know, but I feel like I knew what I saw. And then later, um, not, not um, on a ayahuasca journey, just a dream. I had another dream that I was in it. And in that dream, I could see myself on the ground with my two friends, you know, 25 years ago. And it was brief. And I woke up and I went, whoa, no, that's psychedelic. Like what the <laughs> hell is time, you know, like, just an illusion, you know, time's an illusion, fear's an illusion. Maybe this whole thing is an illusion, you know, and maybe that's the takeaway, man, is why it happened. So, you know, like all this whole lifetime is why did I see that UFO? Why did that happen? I need answers. And I feel like now, you know, you, and you might do the same when like you are, you know, thinking about this DMT trip that you may or may not do, right? Should I do this? Should I not? They, I think the answers as you age, they, it's like these answers need to ripen, you know, and it's one little, um, it's one little teaspoon of the recipe of the whys that you'll have begin to have answered when you're, when you've ripened more or when you've aged more, you know, like there's a, 
I think things need to get laid out in a certain order for a certain purpose, you know? And so, um, and it drove me down. It was one of the things that drove me down even harder down the curiosity trail. We'd never let it go, you know? And I, I could see it in people's eyes. I'd tell the story. They'd be like, oh, you know, I believe you believe that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm sure you do know what yeah. I mean. Oh yeah. I've, I've been on that road a million times. Um, actually following up on that question. So I seem to ask everybody this, but it seems very fitting after the last thing you were just saying. It seems like a lot of these things are connected, being aliens, extraterrestrials, whatever you want to call them, and the paranormal slash spiritual world. Um, so that being said, from everything that you've experienced in your life, what would be your best way to describe this reality or plane that we live in from your perspective? It's a good question. Um, I think it's multifaceted. And I, I do think multifacetedness is uh, the signature of the divine, right? So it's for sure with mediumship. I think it's even true when we're sort of starting to wake up. There's synchronicities and coincidences and things that, you know, vibrations that you begin to jibe with. But, you know, perhaps it's that we are simply observers, you know, um, and I've always felt that personally, that I feel like I've always, there's a lot of people that are kind of just meant to be observers. Yeah. Yeah. Observers. And maybe a lot of the, you know, your listeners and the people in this community, um, it's their job to observe and perhaps um, uh, uh, evolve the species in that way. You know, maybe we're this, you know, the stoned apes, you know, or oh, yeah. you know, like we're waking up and it's kind of not pretty, you know, or I shouldn't say that maybe it's beautiful. It's just a, a diff, like a snake shedding its skin. You know, the old way of thinking is becoming retired. And um, I almost think of it as an evolution of the mind. I was talking about that on my last podcast, where it's something that people want this big enlightenment to happen within their lifetime but it's almost like evolution in the sense that it's going to take generations and generations in retraining your method of thinking in order to achieve this goal where everybody realizes that we do have these connections with nature, like our ancestors did that we lost touch with over the years. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I do think it's intentional <laughs> to, uh, you know, keep us, uh, in the, you know, sort of the slave race, you know, I, I don't think that whoever they are, I don't think they can keep us down anymore. I think we've, um, I just don't think it's possible, you know, that when, once we start, people start waking up, there's no going back to sleep on this one. You know, I was talking to my friend about that too, saying that I I've for lack of a better term, red pilled a couple of my close friends where they're starting to believe in this type of community. And they always mention things saying like ignorance is bliss that, I'd rather know this stuff, but at the same time, though, I wonder where I would be if I never learned anything and I was just ignorant to it. And I just lived in this blissful world, believing that everything is as it said. Well, I do believe that there will always be a percentage of us, you know, because essentially we are all one, but of us that simply don't have the bandwidth to absorb it. You know, it's just too much. So I said this to, uh, on another podcast and I'm repeating myself, but my husband, my husband's mother, she's passed now, but one of the sweetest people I've ever known, like just a heart of gold and uh, a wonderful person. Um, 
but she didn't have the bandwidth to, you know, answer my question when I said, what, what about building seven on nine 11? She was just like, what's building seven. You know, I was like, you know, you know, it's a, a building that fell into its own footprint with no fires or, you know, buildings or uh, planes flying into it and down the street. And they announced it before it actually fell, you know, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and I was like, okay, then. And, and she goes, and even if I did, I, I can't live in a world where I believe that. And I'm like, fair enough. I can respect that. You know, like ignorance is bliss in some cases. And, you know, some normies got to stay normie. They don't, they just don't have the capacity uh, to absorb it, you know, and that's, they have that right. You know, um, if, if it comes to a point where, you know, there's totalitarian rule, you know, the, the more hands on deck, the better, <laughs> the more awake ones, the better. Um, so, cause that could be part of what got us into this jam in the first place is the, you know, the 1950s mindset of, you know, just the ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Let's just don't look over there. There's no such thing as propaganda, you know, or yeah, whatever. Finding comfort in the reality that is placed in front of you. And people don't want to look past that because they're too close in their comfort zone and they've been trained and taught to think a specific way. Like for me, myself, I personally homeschool my kids because I see that there's this huge construct as far as thinking goes when it comes to like public school, that they try to gear you into thinking a specific way. So I like doing online school because I can say, hey, this is the answer they want. This is how they want you to think. But these two other answers could be correct. And this is also why. And just something we need to instill onto the younger generations to be able to, you know, make these kind of decisions and think about these things and not have everybody around them kind of push these kind of thoughts down to try to fit into this narrative as we continue on. Because it's almost like we've we've given them the power going into like COVID, for example. um, Not that I like to reach too far into this topic because I feel like it's kind of been over over talked about, but uh, like the vaccinations and stuff. um, I am not like me personally, I I choose not to get one, um, but I'm not angry or going to tell anybody wrong if they feel the choice to get one. But a lot of people don't. They're seeing it as this smaller thing that it's, oh, I'm trying to help the people around me. But they're not looking at it from the bigger picture of that's another freedom getting stripped away from you, because once everybody agrees to it, now you're giving them the right to pick what you can and can't put in your body. And whether I agree with it or not, like you have to look at the broader picture And a lot of people, unfortunately, because they have that ignorance is bliss kind of concept, they are so stuck in the smaller picture that they want you to see that they don't see the bigger picture that's happening. And that's happened through the years. I've said with like religion and stuff that all it takes is one person that realizes that they can take power from a concept and they're going to take advantage of it. Um, Like religion started from a good place and then just a good handful of people took it over and created this bad atmosphere with it where you almost have to like pay to you know, be able to speak yeah. to God in a sense, because they try to make it seem like they're the only ones that can do it. And it's kind of the same thing as far as like countries and rights go. They're like, you guys can't make up your own rights. So you need us to do it for you. And we never need them in the first place, but they keep that, yeah, that feeling that we need them when realistically they need us. Yeah, totally. I mean, talk about brainwashing, you know, there's the constant from the day you're born, the government, you know, like, it's crazy. Like COVID I think has woken a lot of people up to that. A lot of people still sound asleep for sure. I live in Los Angeles and boy, the 
virtue signaling, you know, um, and that that just comes from straight up brainwashing, you know, that's talk about, I mean, it's a psyop on all of us. So, um, you know, uh, hats off to homeschooling your kids. Um, mine are 19, 23 and 25 and, and we homeschooled them all for their early years. Um, and never looked back, never regretted it. Um, it, it, the only regret might be is having not done it the whole time. However, they were all athletic. So, you know, athletic, athletics were a little, and we lived in a town where there was, you know, some pretty competitive sports, you know? So, um, you know, that was the only real reason, but I think it's the, especially the early years, you know, like, I, I don't know if it's a myth, but, you know, Hitler saying something like, you know, you know, give me the, give me the children until they're six and I'll have them for life. You know, it's um, funny you say that. Cause I was going to say, I've heard this concept that six and seven is the age where they up until that point is where they create their process of thinking. So essentially, if you get to them at that age, you can completely change their method of thinking for the rest of their life. But also, if you, for example, leave your kids out of school until, even if you don't want to do homeschool, but you leave your kids out of school until they reach that age of six or seven, then Mm -hmm. they have their own mindset going into school and they're not as likely to get, I want to say brainwashed, but like brainwashed by the concepts of thinking that public schools and whatever schools are trying to get you to think in. Totally. I couldn't agree more. I I was blessed with when, you know, before I, they all started school, I was blessed with uh, my father-in-law, amazing person. He gave me a book called um, the magical child. And it was written by uh, this guy called Joseph Chilton Pierce and look him up that this dude. Um, Anyway, it, it really detailed uh, about how the development of the child's brain and the certain modules that open up at generally certain uh, ages and how if uh, there's any sort of trauma during those ages, then, you know, the arrested development, you know, can happen. And I could attest to that, like, I hated school, you know, I was a decent student because I was a do-gooder, but, um, you know, it was, it never felt right. And so when it came time for my oldest um, who's now 25 to go to school. I was like, just at the end, what we were also, we, what society was also doing was like putting babies in cribs and letting them cry it out, you know, although, oh, she, she'll be spoiled if you don't do that. And I was like, I ain't doing that. Nope. She's not crying herself to sleep. Why would I do that to this? Like, you know, and then putting her in school, I was like, nope. I'm nope. She's not going anywhere. She's staying here with me. And boy, I'll tell you, this was 20 years ago and the culture, it's much easier to homeschool now. And it's much easier to say, you know, my my kid's sleeping in the bed with us until she's ready to leave. But you can do that. Now, back then I was, you know, I had to like stand strong. And especially when I did put them in school, because I didn't vaccinate them either. And the shit that those schools gave me and, you know, I would just laugh. I'd, I'd be like, okay, you know, like, that you had, you got to have some balls for sure, or had to, and stand up to authority, you know, just like I've always been a, not always, but I am for the last 25 years, self-employed artist. I'm like, I can't do bosses. can't do alarm clocks. Can't, I just can't, you know, it's, I can't do rules. <laughs> I just, That's I refuse. Going too. <laughs> yeah. So, but what I was going to say lastly was I think those formative years of homeschooling, because it's not like we just sat around and watched cartoons all the time. Like we did school and we did field trips and we did a lot of really cool stuff. I think that uh, has made the three of them free thinkers on their own. 
you know, like they think for themselves in a way that they're very hard to brainwash, you know, the, the psyop has just doesn't really work with them. They, you know, so anyway, I feel like we all start off that way. And then it's programmed to not think that way, because just being a child, you're extremely curious. And going off of the other thing you're saying about the trauma, um, I've been fascinated by this concept about um, they try to traumatize children as they come into the world so that they instill this like fear within them so that they don't want to strive to do things. Um, like I was getting into something about like circumcisions and stuff that uh, it actually mm. disconnects a lot of nerves. And the intention is that it's supposed to be extremely traumatic for wow. the child. And it instills this, this fear in them. Same with the being poked and prodded and all that kind of stuff um, where it creates this subconscious fear of pain right off the start because you're not naturally born with that. So already from just jumping into that, it's already starting to form the way that the, the child thinks even yeah. right when they connect them or disconnect them from source, so to speak, you know, and trauma-based mind control, right? Exactly. I mean, then you can re you can, we just went through two years of trauma-based mind control and then keep them afraid, keep them afraid. And then you can, you can implant anything you want into those hypnotized brains, you know, and then especially with children, like the poor little souls that have been masked up kindergartners, like it's horrifying. It's, you know, it messes like, up their speech too. Cause they can't see people yeah. talking properly. So that's another thing that they're causing issues with that. They, I don't know whether they know it or they don't care, or they have some other I'm type sure, of agenda to it. I'm sure they know it. But even, know? even like the COVID stuff, like you kind of developed and saw who the mentally strong people were because mm -hmm. there was this huge split in people between the people that for example got into like podcasts like this and got red pilled even if they didn't want to be because they saw these flaws and then it shows the other side of people that are like i was saying the ignorance is bliss concept where they just wanted to go along with anything the government says because almost like the story you were saying there's a lot of people that don't want to live in a world where they're afraid that their government's lying to them even though it's very yeah. clear and I've used this metaphor a million times that people that are free thinkers will see a math problem that's, for example, two plus two equals four. We'd say that's four because if you see all the pieces in front of it, but a lot of society is brainwashed to say two plus two, five, and they're not putting the pieces together themselves. They see them, but they're ignoring them. And they say that I've always been told the answer is five. So that's what it is. They're not putting their own logic into it, even though it's directly in front of them because they just don't want to see it. Right, right. Well, not to get too conspiratorial, but I, I think people have been waking up uh, and maybe it was because there is so many of us and, and there's an evolution uh, cognitively or consciousnessly that's uh, happening. And if there was some sort of, um, you know, population control psyop through this thing, um, it, it would make perfect sense. If there's less of us, then we're easier to control. You know, it's just the, the, I feel like the, um, the, the ones that have the questions would be the ones that have not taken the vaccine and, and are really the ones that they wanted to get rid of, you know, like the talk about an attack. I heard, uh, I listened to this podcast called no agenda and they were showing something from, I don't remember the news source exactly, but they're saying, according to a recent statistic, people that are anti-vaccination have been shown to have mental disabilities. Oh uh, and they just listed all this stuff. Like they're just trying to attack people personally now because they know that all the people that haven't gotten the vaccine refuse to get it. So now it almost seems like they're trying to go for that peer pressure aspect that, you know, you don't want your friends to call you mentally insane because you don't want to get the, the vaccine. But coming from somebody that's already in that mindset, I'm seeing that as like, that's the ultimate propaganda. Like I heard that and I laughed out loud. I'm like, you got to be 
fucking kidding me. Like they're really showing this on the news and pretending like this is how it is. And they're just, people are believing this shit. (laughs) It's like labeling people a conspiracy theorist who essentially just isn't going along with the narrative, you know, the bullshit narrative that doesn't add up. It's just critical thinkers, you know, just go, like you said, you know, if two and two, but if you say something enough times and you're hypnotized by the, you know, the, the frames per second that's coming at you from your television. And uh, I mean, it is straight up hypnosis. Like everybody's seen a kid staring at the television. And if all of a sudden every other commercial is pharmaceutical and every other is big brother, essentially telling you what to think, you know, I mean, it's all there in the Orwell books. It's all right there. The playbook is we've had it the whole time, you know, just a big pushback for freedom of speech. If anybody even mentions these types of topics, it's almost like a red indicator that we're onto something. Cause if they, we weren't onto something, they would just let it be and be like, Oh yeah, they're crazy. But if they're trying to silence people that much, I'm surprised that again, for lack of a better term, the sheeple don't see that pattern and aren't like, Alrighty. Well, I thought we were a country that believes in freedom of speech. So now we, why are we trying to silence these people? And the only people listening to them are other people that are crazy, so to speak. So like, right. why, why are you so concerned with it? Because nobody over on this side community is saying that, you know, we need to like assault anybody over our beliefs. We're just saying that we personally refuse to get it because we're not going to be a test subject because who knows what this shot could be. Yeah. And I've always yeah. had a theory on it too, that uh, the idea with it was to attack uh, elderly people, because it seems like the COVID affected them the most. Um, and my belief on that is that they're trying to uh, push out the people that are the system has to pay for, so that aren't actually contributing back to the system. So they're trying to like almost restart the system. And again, with less people, it's easier to have a control over everybody. And the new generation yeah. is so brainwashed just through all this programming that they're so far into it now that you know, you can't change their minds. Like you have all of these beliefs instilled in them and they think they're fighting for the right thing with, you know, the glory or uh, virtue signaling, like you were saying, um, that they're, they're missing, they're missing the point. They're just too concerned with trying to be perceived as a good person, according to what the conventional standard is. I mean, the whole great reset plan, it, uh, I, I, I for sure think that, or agenda 21, agenda 30, that whole thing, like it is there all in black and white and the conspiracy theorists have been jumping up and down about it for years. And then, uh, but it does seem like it's falling apart. Like they just didn't plug in a couple of numbers in their equations. You know, I, I just don't think that they took into account that there are a lot of smart and intuitive and, um, you know, people whose consciousnesses uh, rise above that. I think they just sort of think we're stupid, uh, you know, or we'll just go because many will, but much, many more are not, you know, Um, the hard part is people are afraid to get fired where there's not a lot of people that like anybody in our community, we would all be more than happy to leave a job over being forced to get a vaccine. But a lot of people are so again, content in their normal life that they don't want to lose that. So they may not agree with it, but they get it for the sake of they're afraid they're going to lose their job or lose their friends that are so determined that it's a good thing without actually looking into anything, including like the Pfizer documents that have been slowly getting released. Like the more information you get, the weirder it is. Completely unconstitutional to mandate a vaccine. Completely. You know, these companies, like the lawsuits, that's what it's going to have to take is just a massive dump of lawsuits. And they're coming. It's just the wheels of justice you know, turn slowly, you know, but, um, yeah, I'm blessed that I 
could get away with. And same with my family and, uh, you know, several of my friends, not all of them though. I mean, I, one of my very best friends, you know, uh, got blood clots in her heart and died from her booster, you know? So like it, it touched home for me with that, you know, I could talk a big talk, but lose one of your best friends, like, you know, that, you know, there was a casualty there, you know, and a lot of people, whether it was COVID, what is, what, you know, I know you said that, you know, talked at nauseum, we all have, um, but what, obviously a bioweapon, like, yeah, of course, obviously something happening weird, you know, my, another one of my friends who's vaccinated and she just got it again and it kicked her ass, you know? So what is it? Where's it coming from? Are they spraying it in the air? Like, I don't know. I, don't I have know. A, a doctor in the family. He, he, I'm sure wouldn't want me to say his name, but from the stories I've heard from him, he said that the majority of the medical community knows that there's a lot of fishiness to this, including the vaccines. And from his personal experience, he said that he had to get the vaccine for work over risk of getting fired because he is a doctor. But he, from his experience, he said he doesn't recommend it to anybody. And he said it's doing more damage than good. But everybody in the medical field is afraid of losing their jobs. So even the people that do believe that and are in the medical field don't want to show their opinions because, again, they're scared of being cast to the side or being called a conspiracy theorist, too. Mm -hmm. You know, on that note, I have a family member, extended family member who's in administration in a hospital. Two family members are in the same hospital. And she was telling me that they lost so much staff over the VAX mandate that now they have to hire contract nurses. And then those contract nurses, so doctors walked out and the the press will never tell us that, you know, so just the lies upon lies. It can't last. It just can't last. You know, it's just, it's not, the whole narrative isn't falling apart fast enough for me because I feel like we're aware when it was happening, but when just before COVID hit, then, you know, over 2,500 heads of companies stepped down. You know, I told my husband, I go, something weird's about to happen. And it was right before, you know, so they knew something, they knew the PSYOP was coming, you know? So um, that's one of those pieces of the puzzle that people look over. Uh, Uh They were announcing all these people stepping down, like something weird's about to happen. And weird part too, is that most of those companies that the CEO stepped down, they had links to China. Like they, knew something right. was coming before it actually came. Yeah. Yeah. Like Gates stepping down from Microsoft. Like what, you know, how, how could you not see the writing on the wall? It's just, you know, didn't know how intense the PSYOP was going to be and how many things like to you and I make absolutely no sense. There's no data that masks work. You know, there's, you know, that, and there's never been vaccines that have been pushed through this quickly. They usually need, you know, seven years of study, you know, and then like the fake videos coming out of China and why aren't the homeless dropping dead? And like too many things where, you know, like you say it around the wrong people and it's like a fart in church. Like there is no answer to that because it doesn't add up, you know? So that's been the frustrating part for me. And I'm sure for you is like, God, it's been two years and we were awake before it even started, you know? And then they told us to wear masks at work. I uh, went up to our manager and I sprayed a spray bottle through the mask. And I said, why do (laughs) I have to wear this? And he pretty much told me like, uh, the company says you have to do it. Um, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, it's clearly a placebo effect. Like I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm one of those people that's willing to stay on my ground. 
the whole time that they were trying to mandate the masks, like the most they got out of me was it clipped on the side of my pants while I was at work. Like I refused <laughs> to wear it. <laughs> there you go. I'm wearing it. It's on my pants, but <laughs> you said have it on my person. So that's all I'm doing for you. Just yeah, because once... again, I need this job to, so... you know, keep my family afloat. So, but if it wasn't about that, like, I would have just been like, all right, I'm done with this. <laughs> two and two equals five again, you know, like they don't care. All they know is everybody wants to keep their job. But like, can you imagine if everybody stood up and once at once and said, this makes no logical sense. So it's like you and I, and this community are like, you know, if you ever read Plato's, uh, the cave, um, you know, essentially it's the same story. Eventually people, have you ever read it or heard it? Um, oh, it's the allegory of the cave. I say I, I've heard of it, um, but for the listeners that haven't heard it, if you'd like okay. to explain it, I'd love love for that. Just briefly, because it's so apt in, in all of this like sort of consciousness studies and also any conspiratorial or critical thinking, you know, that in a nutshell, it's, you know, these, these uh, you know, it's metaphor, of course, but, you know, this village or group of people uh, have lived their whole entire lives in a cave, chained in a cave. And the only out, only thing that they get any input from the outside world is the shadows that they see cast on the cave wall. Um, I think in the actual allegory, it's a fire. There's a fire out there. So what, what they think reality is, is the projections of these shadows on the wall. And that's all they know. And then eventually there's one free thinker that says, gets, you know, uh, out of chains and leaves the cave and goes and sees that there's actually people dancing by the fire and there's trees and there's animals and there's a, an entire universe out there. And he goes back to the cave to tell the other cave dwellers, you know, this is just a projection that's on the wall. And the, those in the cave choose to stay there, even though he tells them like, they, you know, the sky is falling and jump up and down. This is the truth. This is the truth. But essentially, it's those those folks where the ignorance is bliss. They just want to stay in the cave and, and stay in that existence. But, you know, also when I hear that or I'll hear other people talk about the allegory of the cave is um, I always think of Terrence McKenna. You know, he was the dude that unchained himself and he went outside the cave and was like, wait, y'all, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's machine elves out here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Come dance with the machine elves, you know, uh, but still, I think it's also true with something like this, this COVID psyop we're going through, like, please get the book out. Look at the CDC website. There's no such thing as asymptomatic carriers. You know, they've even admitted it on their site. Like, do, but if you just want to stay in the cult of COVID and put on freaking CNN to get your truth, like, you know, I, I do blame the media. I do blame the propaganda machine. And there's somebody at the forefront of that. And that's just evil. You know, if you're going to prey on the minds of the ignorant, you know, um, that's why they're trying to control this community and stuff. That's why everybody's been kicked off YouTube and we're all just finding our other endeavors. And I hear a lot on the news about them, you know, talking down about things like uh, Rockfin and like Rumble uh, saying like, there's no money to be made, but they don't realize that, you know, it's not about the corporate money because that's what ruins everything. It's about the community of people within that. And it's about the connection of the community. It's never was intended to be about the money. For any, so any, that, that's any what they didn't account, what they didn't account for is that some people are doing things for not just the money, you know, and that's, I mean, that's the Christ energy, right? You do it for love, you do it for community, you do it for other things. If you make money, great. So you can keep doing it. But if you're, I do believe if you're 
altruistic goals are genuine, then the money will always come. You know, you'll always be protected by the light as Pollyanna as that might sound. I just think it's the way vibration and, and energy works, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think that the podcasters, this community, you guys that are just going to keep doing it no matter what, um, We'll just I find a new platform if one gets silenced. Absolutely. Like whack-a-mole, right? And Pretty I much. think like a mandate from heaven, you know, there's got to be the light's got to battle the dark. And, you know, essentially you're smarter than they are. They think we're stupid. So, you know, yeah, That's it's it actually a very beautiful thing to watch, you know, because they'll, like you said, there'll be another platform, shut us down here. Uh, you know, there's a lot of smart, smart people, a lot of, you know, like, uh, hacking the system in every possible way, you know. Kyle from a uh, big dumb podcast made a joke that said if they take away all of our technology, all of us podcasters gonna be on ham radio, and then you can't stop. <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah, you can't take the air away, you know. Yeah, pretty much, we'll find other ways. We'll we'll be outside on soapboxes preaching our podcast to people <laughs> as we're uh, getting man. pulled away by the the new police of the time that are trying to silence all freedom of speech while we're still screaming over their shoulder about our messages. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't douse the light though. You just can't, you know? So, so. I got another question too. Um, before we get into the, the tarot card reading for myself, I want to know a little bit more about your, your mediumship. Uh, like how, how does, how does one learn how to do that? And what type of connection is it that makes it so that you can relay messages to people? Uh, I think it, you know, because of all of the other experiences and and being fascinated with uh, consciousness in general and the um, continuation of consciousness, you know, like going down rabbit holes, reading a bunch of books on near-death experiences, and also the experiences I had powerful with when my mother passed, you know, her able to get messages through to me and also through a medium, and then just a fascination with it, right? I was always fascinated with it, but I spent the majority of the middle part of, you know, my life, essentially raising kids. Like I was myopic on those people. Like I was all kids all the time. And then all of a sudden they were big and I'm like, where are you going? (laughs) Like, where is everybody? (laughs) But, but I also knew this was the time to pursue it um, more seriously. So, you know, I've done courses and major part of the coursework has been through the Arthur Findlay college in England, which is one of the oldest, mediumship schools, you know, all through zoom, you know, um, but I also got certified through a, um, organization in Los Angeles and essentially, I believe I've always had the capacity for it. I just didn't have the confidence, um, because there's, it's sort of like being in a vacuum. You don't know if the things that you're bringing up or seeing are just um, your imagination or if they're, uh, you know, a disembodied spirit telepathically bringing you through um, clairaudience, clairvoyance, and clairsentience, you know, mm-hmm. and some people are naturals at it. I would say that I ha- I've had a uh, attuned pineal gland, I guess, you know, because of all the experiences that I was willing to surrender to, that might be a good way to put it, but because I didn't have the confidence and instruction, I I always was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. And also, you know, when I was raising kids as much of a outlier as I was, I didn't necessarily want to be the lady that was labeled that for 
their benefit. You know, I kind of wanted to now, you know, I was labeled weird and I've been a professional artist for 25 years. So I was already weird. You know, people are already just like, mm, you know, invited to like party. that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just, <laughs> you know, I wasn't a secretary or a, you know, flight attendant or whatever, you know, I was feaster famine as an artist, you know, like, um, luckily it's more feasting now. And, um, so it that also affords me the time and the focus that it kind of takes to learn that sort of thing, mm-hmm. not to rush through it too. But I also, you know, the ayahuasca helped a lot, had a lot of mediumistic experiences with um, a lot of, of my dead folk on the other side and, and the dietas for sure helped to tune into subtle energies. And then, um, I also have done some Vipassana meditation retreats. I don't know if you've heard of Vipassana. Uh, If you want to explain it for the, for the listeners that don't know also. Okay. It's, it's a very, uh, deep protocol of learning meditation. It's 10 days of silence. Um, no eye contact, no reading, no writing, no nothing, 11 hours a day of meditation. So, you know, that you can't come away from one of those retreats without learning a very, very deep uh, meditation. Um, so I've done three of those. And so when you learn to meditate that deeply, it's um, one of the byproducts is being, uh, helps to make you aware of subtle energies. So because I was able to do all of that ayahuasca and all of those ceremonies, once my kids were big, then um, it was a, it was a natural to move into that long held interest and pursuit. Um, so that's what I did. And so the way uh, it, it works for me, it's different for every medium. Um, I, I tend to get things in all of the clairs. Sometimes I'll see stuff. Sometimes I'll feel stuff. Sometimes I hear stuff. And um, my intention is always of the light. So I don't allow, I I don't even make, I I don't even really talk about anything dark. It's not what it's about to me. So what it, my intention is that I'm there in service to spirit and to the healing of the sitter, whether it's grief, whether they need uh, learning to, in order to move something in through in their own life. And sometimes it's just a hello from the other side. But um, so typically um, like I just read for someone yesterday and um, the, just to give you an example of sort of a way that it could go was I tuned into a very good friend of the family who had taken his own life and the family there was some that were angry at him still. And then there was some that were worried that he was stuck in some sort of limbo. Um, and he came through very clear, brought through um, uh, validating points, you know, things about him. Like I tuned in to the fact that he was a writer and um, also, you know, uh, roughly how he passed and that kind of thing. So that the sitter understands, you know, things that I, I that I couldn't know when I talk about mediumship, I'm also reluctant to say I, you know, because it's, it's really a, we situation. It's like, uh, I'll tune in to the spirit on the other side. You can call it guides. You can call it that past level one, everybody, there seems to be a group. Um, but to say, I makes it sound like I'm doing something. I just got trained, but it's really not about me. It's about them. So, mm-hmm that's my intention. And so with that, 
it's a vibration raising thing. So the best way to describe it is those on the other side, they bring their vibration down to a certain degree. I raise my vibration up, hopefully raise the sitter's vibration up, and then the messages can come through. I try not to interpret too much. I try and just say what I'm getting. Sometimes I'll just get a feeling. Sometimes I'll be reminded of something that's happened in my own life, maybe a dynamic with, with a friend or a loved one. And I'll just explain that dynamic. And it very, very often it resonates with the sitter and it'll resonate with that person that has come through with, um, you know, like with a name, um, for instance, I did a reading on my third eye with ghost Mm -hmm. and brought through his grandpa's name, which names are hard for me, but I brought through his name. So for ghost, he was able to go, uh, how could she just pull that out of her ass? Like that was my grandpa's name, you know? So he was able to go, oh, so maybe this is, and then the messages that kind of come through with that, he felt were, uh, an important lesson or not lesson, well, lesson, but maybe healing, mm-hmm. a healing thing. And also uh, he could apply that to his life and make his life a better, you know, using him as an, as this example. So that's, that's oftentimes how it goes. The other very interesting thing, I think I said to you that, that the, the, the calling card of the divine is when things are multifaceted and, and, or have like double entendres. Mm-hmm. And that's how you kind of know, because it, it's so uh, graceful in how it comes through. And so that's one of the things that I really enjoy about the other side is, you know, the best way to put it is really, there's no time. There's a, just a huge awareness. So they can make jokes that mean two things at once, or, uh, or uh, if that makes sense. So those are very clever little things that come through. And oftentimes things will also come through in metaphor, especially if the spirit on the other side was into that kind of thing. So sometimes their personality will kind of come through and, you know, like um, certain phraseology, you know, or even quotes. Sometimes I'll say, I don't know why I want to say this, but I want to tell you to take the bull by the horns, you know, like maybe use a phrase that I wouldn't necessarily normally use and, but that loved one would, and that, that the, intention behind that and the goal is so that the sitter feels that they're still connected to their loved ones on the other side that's the main one they want to know if they're around and if they're okay that happens a lot we're pretty programmed in this culture to believe that death is uh, a terrible thing when it's really more like changing a suit you know taking off some old clothes and you've probably heard that when you hear of um you know near-death experiencers they'll they're not really connected to the body anymore. It's just, they're connected to the love they've left behind or that, you know, they still, you know, whatever their jobs were here or whatever their connections were here. That's, that's the thing that we take with us, our relationships in our experiences. And so, so I I also early on, even though, you know, I'd had these paranormal sort of experiences, I also had a fairly, when I was younger, fairly, a serious case of being obsessed with death and a deep fear of death because I didn't understand it because I was programmed that way, you know? Um, So, and we are in this culture, like uh, there are some cultures that aren't, however, some that are, you know, they, they mourn when a baby's born and they celebrate when uh, an old person dies because they know that here is a tough place. Here's the work, you know, here's your shadow is going to constantly keep popping up and need you to work on it, you know? Um, so 
that sums it up. You know, I mean, there's lots of interesting experiences that always happen. I'm always like, I'm honestly, I'm still blown away once stuff happens. And it's not like I'm, you know, I've been doing this for a hundred years, but I'm still, when, when there's deep connection and these, and people feel healed and feel like they've really spoken. And I feel like I have a new friend on the other side, you know, that happened yesterday. I was like, you know, uh, Steve was a really cool guy. I'm glad I met him, you know, (laughs) and that's how it felt, you know? So, uh, it's, I guess, ultimately it's how I'm in service to spirit. And I'm blessed to be able to have that. Um, and also to, you know, not to sound too grandiose, but to humanity, like the person I read for yesterday, she felt healed. She felt that she benefited in some way, you know, and if, and if I can sit here and just be the medium and be like, you know, I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a wheelbarrow. I don't know what it means. And and then it means something to her, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I can just step out of the way and, and allow that sort of healing to happen, you know? Yeah. So, um, I guess before we get into the tarot card reading, um, I have another question. So this whole time that you've been talking to me, I'm kind of curious if, uh, you've felt anything as far as like your mediumship goes, uh, with anybody possibly trying to contact me. Well, so I will share with you when we were talking about your grandmother, right. I felt a shawl, what felt like a shawl go over my shoulders. And then I thought, because I, I feel like until I'm asked, it 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 feels impolite of me to intrude on that. So it, it's just kind of a personal rule. Like um, like you see, if you've ever watched, like uh, I know there's shows like um, I forget what's it called, like a New York Medium or something like that. I haven't watched a sh- show, but. Uh, I think I saw a clip or something. And um, for me, I, I would think it would be an intrusion on somebody's privacy to say, I see your grandmother around you without you asking me, you know, to try and tune in. So, but when I did feel that, I thought I, I could, uh, his grandmother's for sure around him. And the way she presented herself was like that, sort of like just a warm hug, just put this over my shoulders like that. I don't know if that's relevant to you, but um, if uh, we've been kind of going for a while. We, if you want to, tr- we could do this again when I'm fresh, oh, you know, yeah, I'd and, love to. and place that intent and, um, uh, uh, and with permission, you know, um, I, I just feel, I feel like I am very polite to them. And I'm also very polite to my sitter. I would never want to intrude. So, and also, um, you know, we've been talking for a while. So if we set that intention to try and connect with who's ever around you, you know, if, if she decides that she's, um, want, would like to come through, I feel like for sure, she's standing by you a lot. Like, um, I, I will say that much. I feel like, um, she, um, it is for sure. One of your guides, you know, one of your, uh, spiritual, I want to say the word caretaker, you know? So, um, and I, like, uh, well, what I will say here is she's would never let anything dark around you. Like she's like this. Nope. Nope. You know, Mm -hmm. like that, that's not, um, and that might be partially why you have such a high vibration. Um, the high vibration that you do, you know, is you've got ancestral help, you know? Yeah. And I've always felt a a connection to that. And it's funny that you mentioned that too, because she passed away around the time that 
I uh, was telling you that I was doing like my astro projections and they kind of like took like a dark turn for a little while. <clears throat> but it was kind of a weird feeling that like whatever there was that was around me that was dark, it seemed like it was pushed like farther back, like almost like there was like a bubble around me in a sense that they're like watching from afar, but they couldn't come close because a lot of people that have like the sleep paralysis and stuff, they'll say that they'll feel like something sitting on their chest where I more so got like shadows off in the distance, like they couldn't come any closer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I do have a, a thought on night terrors and the older I get and the more reflection I have on those, I, I do think it was energies trying to teach me to overcome fear because of the work that was going to come later, the shamanic journeys, the mediumship, you know, I just don't know. I've been able to get to a place where I just don't allow, or I don't entertain dark stuff, you know, like I have, have a, just, just last week, something weird happened in my house. My husband saw it, an ice cube fell from the ceiling. And, um, and I, I, I thought, um, you know, first of all, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and then second of all, because we weren't near, there was ice cubes in the sink. Um, but we weren't by the sink and my husband saw it and he's, he's a normie. So, and he brought it up the next day. He's like, so what was with the ice cube? You know, like, and, but I, I thought, if I was any, had I not done all of the spiritual work that I did, I'm, I might've been scared. I'm going to run out. Ah, you know, like that. I was just sort of amused. Like something was trying to get my attention, you know? So if, and possibly all of the night terrors I had as above, so below you have to, you learn it there, you learn it here, you know, like, so I don't, you know, I don't want to say that I don't get scared of anything, but I, I kind of don't, you know, like I don't, and my feelings are kind of relatable in that sense, where as far as like the spiritual realm, for the most part, I don't have like a fear for it. It's more of like a curiosity. Right. And because yeah. of those experiences, it's developed that curiosity. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, and also we go back to programming. Have we been programmed to fear this stuff instead of just be, have a, a healthy curiosity for the trickster, you know, seeing it as like witchcraft and such so that they're pulling away from uh, like shamanic or like mystical practices, trying to label right. it as like Satanism, for example when even looking into satanism like the concepts are very misconstrued where like the rules of satanism make more sense than the rules of christianity as far as like don't hurt a child and stuff like that so it's kind of like a mixed concept you know <laughs> yeah just like all the other stuff that they try and throw us be real hard to control a bunch of wizards out here right you know a bunch of shamans yeah. you know it's real you know that, that would be the worst nightmare and maybe that is part of what's happening this great you know um, time we're living through like a new renaissance of people waking up, you know, so, um, the more, the merrier. True. Very true. I guess, uh, we, we can get into the, to the tarot reading. I'd love to do that. Okay. So I've heard of this concept where people could just kind of let the cards read for themselves where they don't have like a specific question. So I was kind of curious if like that kind of a concept. Yeah. You want to do that? Yeah. If yeah. you have a question or we could do both. If you're like, we start just as sort of general. And then if you've got more specific questions, um, you know, I've, I've been doing a long, doing it a long time. And I, early on, I was trying to, you know, have certain spreads and buy the book. And then because it was so long ago, it just kind of morphed into its own thing. And I really use it more of like a, 
I mean, I, I do, you know, some's classical, but I, you know, the, the archetypes are archetypes, but for the most part, I've kind of created my own mythology with them, you know, like any other divining tool, you know, so, so it's kind of loosey goosey, but it, I've been doing a long, you know, a long time. It's got a formula to me, you know, I feel like so, that's how a lot of the mystic stuff is though, is that you kind of start with a base and then as people progress, they start learning new things and kind of develops into their own thing. And I guess that's how it progresses through the years and turns into more than it used yeah, to. Yeah, I, I think it does when just, it's like any art really, you kind of do what's done in the past and then you make it your own kind of. And, um, you know, like I for sure have had people say, oh, you know, tarot cards are dark. And I just say, are you dark? Is the reader dark? Then yeah, you could probably do some dark stuff, but my intent is always of the light. So you know, just like anything, it's about intent, any sort of magic or shamanic practice. It's about the intent, you know? Mm -hmm. So I always have this belief too, in that there's not necessarily good or bad. You contain both. So it's kind of how you perceive it, but both are needed in order to have each other. If that makes sense, like yin and yang. Put it. Oh yeah. 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 Agreed. hundred percent. But, um, like I've had a, I guess we can do the one where it's just kind of open first. Um, and then I do have like a, a weird thing that came up in work today. So I guess I do actually have a question that popped up. Perfect. So. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So uh, it's kind of weird. I like to wear a hat when I do them. So um, are you ready to get going? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've never had a tarot reading done before. So I'm really excited to have this done because I've heard a lot of uh, different perspectives of it, but I have a belief in it for the sake of um, I believe that everything happens for a reason and people have a path. So if that goes on and continues with that, I feel like no matter what the cards play out, it happened for a reason. It's intended for a reason. Good. Yeah, that's the best. Well, I mean, I've always thought since I've been like doing any sort of intuitive stuff with anybody, um, you know, it really is the the medium or the psychic and the sitters intuition working together, you know, because I might say something that comes up and feels um, you know, whether it's imagery or relationship or a, like a clair sentience. Um, but it's kind of up to the sitter to interpret it because if, if I interpret it too much, I might go off into left field. But if, you know, if I say something, especially with the mediumship is um, the symbols are really, the mediums just bring it through to the sitter to uh, essentially, you know, uh, not necessarily completely interpret on their own because sometimes you need a little bit of guidance on that. Um, so you'll see as we go along, you'll kind of get what I'm, what I'm meaning. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you my interpretation too, so that you kind of know like okay. what, what way they're kind of speaking to. Perfect. Okay. Okay. So remember that the uh, intention, because we, we didn't ask a question, the intention is very general. Um, for this particular spread. So, um, okay. Uh, So essentially what's being said here is um, you as a, uh, as an individual, which we could probably gather from what you're doing with your podcast are are a fairly deep thinker and this deep thinking side of you, uh, you actually need to make time for, you have to say, okay, I need to, uh, I need to think about that and I need, I'll get back with you. Like, because you know that you're seeing things from uh, more levels than others sometimes. Like, in other words, you're not a guy that's just going to give a flip answer or just say yes or no. You got to go, you have to have time to digest, cogitate, 
and, and then give your answer because you're coming at things from so many different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, I'm going to call it the fairly recent past because, um, you know, this is a sort of general reading at the moment, as opposed to going way, way in the deep past. But I'm going to say generally a lifetime, a life situation project surroundings. Um, there was kind of a time where you sort of had to take what you need. You had to say, okay, I'm doing this for myself. I'm sorry. And it might be the podcasting because we had said podcasting a couple of times as I was laying them out where it's sort of like you, there might've been a time or there may still be a time where you're feeling a little bit like, um, not well, we'll call it selfish for lack of a better way to put it, um, to the people that in your, are in your normie life or your family life or whatever, you gotta kind of be like, I- I'm taking this time. I'm sorry. If you're pissed about it, you know, I'm sorry, but I want to say to you, if you feel that way, it's unfounded. The, the people around you and the people that love you, they want you happy. They want you to, uh, to do what satisfies your soul and what makes you feel as though you're doing better in the world. So when you look at those people and you might be thinking, okay, this might be a selfish, uh, uh, they, I feel like I may be feeling selfish with this pursuit because it's needs so much time and so much attention. Um, look at them and know that they are more than okay with it as a general rule. And some of this, um, something related to that has actually maybe brought you some frustration or maybe even tears or maybe even a little sleeplessness. Um, don't worry. It's because it's like what you've got ideas and they're really good ideas. And you've got another idea coming. You're like a new baby idea is being born because you're allowed to take this time. You're, you've been, a you've allowed more like you've allowed yourself, the others and the people that may have either if they've given you any shade about it, um, it's, it was just out of surprise or out of, um, you know, not knowing about what you're trying to do, maybe not, um, being exposed to like where your thought forms are coming from. Um, but if you can allow, you can surrender to that. You can surrender that everybody's ultimately happy. The people you love are happy this new baby idea has much more fertile ground. And so whether I told you this or not, that new baby idea is coming, you know, it's, it's here and it's wants to be born. Um, it may be in the realm of idea at the moment. Um, but, but I think there's already been some action taken towards this, even if it's just thought word deed, you maybe have already gotten to the word part, you know, it may have come out of your mouth or written it down or, something to that degree, your concern is money, right? Money's coming. So this all sounds like maybe very Pollyanna-ish. <laughs> like, actually well, hit everything right on the head so far. Okay. So, you know, it, it's a very nice spread for sure. There's really no bad news, especially the money card came right after the idea card. So if you're, and the, the money's going to come, if it's not already there, it's, it's not going to necessarily come as a surprise, but it's going to come quickly. Like, it'll, it'll be like, literally you open your inbox one day and you're like, fucking a, here we go. Like it's happening, you know, like, so, uh, 
so don't worry about that. Worry about the creative part because the money part will follow because this baby wants to be born. This baby wants to be here. There's one caveat though, is there's something else that's going to have to end because it, you know, there's only so much time in the day. So I'm going to pull a few more cards and see if I can get a little bit more on what that is that needs to conclude. And if it's time has come anyway, it maybe already needed to conclude whether you had this new uh, plateau in front of you. Okay. So, um, so you're actually answering my other question that I wanted to have answered within this question. So it's, this is very, okay. very interesting. Okay. To me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, okay. Uh, this new baby is going to take time like babies do and work. So it's not as if you're just going to skate. It's, it's going to, it's going to take some work and maybe even more work than you're expecting, no matter how much you feel like this is going to be a great thing, because it is going to be a great thing. Don't want you to think that, Oh my God, you know, Oh, now I'm overwhelmed. I've got this too much on my plate. And because you may, you may feel like, um, and also there may be people that you a little bit have to worry about that you feel like, I don't want to say that people you trust are going to betray you. It's not betrayal as much as it is. They don't want it as much as you do, or they're not willing to work as hard as you are. That said, you're not going to, those, those relationships aren't going to be ruined that you simply just need to be mindful um, and use your own intuition on the people that you know that that you, that you know, will come through. So I feel inspired with saying like, I feel like there's people or person that you already would really like to be involved. Um, but you already kind of know that, um, they're, they're not going to hit the ground running the same way you are. So just, um, and with that said, because I feel like there's emotion here too, there's friendships and, you know, it's not all about work and it's not all about success and all about your goals. It, it's also relationships. Like part of it is the relationships. Relationships, and they have equal merit and equal importance. Um, but I feel like you can handle this, especially if you're a little bit aware. If you can kind of say, um, uh, keeping your um, priorities straight in terms of the relationships you create, but also understand those around you and their capacity for working as hard as you. Um, I feel like no matter what happens though, the friendships will remain intact. And it might be because you're already aware of who can come through and who can't. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're actually hitting right on the dot. I was, I'll explain everything to you when, when you're done with the reading, but yeah, you're, everything's been right on the dot. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So this might be a good point for question. Like you have a question about this particular subject. So I, I do, do you want me to tell you my, my explanation of everything so far, or do you want me to yeah. just ask the question? Yep. Yep. So sure. where I've been at right now and currently with my life is that uh, I've always kind of been like the black sheep type. So I've always been an open-minded thinker. And a lot of the time it's gotten me in trouble asking questions why. So that's inquiries of our reality is how I started. Um, so I've been having this internal conflict between I, I am normally a cannabis grower and I have a lot of love for doing it, but I'm seeing this company that I started with from the ground up become more and more corporate. And it's, I'm just seeing like the love get destroyed from it. Everything's gone. 
and I'm just like fed up with it. So this has been my project that I've been trying to do for myself because I'm tired of always having my work ethic into somebody else's dream instead of my own dream. So I've been having this back and forth where I, I, uh, not, I don't want to say got yelled at, but they like talked to me about some stuff at work today, basically saying like, Hey, you've been slacking as a leader and stuff. So I've was having this internal conflict where I'm trying to like figure out how to like make this jump between doing that and getting to be able to do this. Because it, again, like you were saying too, it's about the connections too. Cause I've always felt like a black sheep and I'm finally making connections and having these conversations, even with people like you, like having this, like this was never anything I was ever able to do before. So I'm also in the process. My, my girlfriend who I have two kids with, she works at the same company as me and she's looking for her. Like, like she knows it's time to leave now too, from everything that she's been saying. And I've been talking to her about like, Hey, you should talk on podcasts. Hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do that. But she's again, one of those people that I uh, had to pull her from her last job to work at this job with me because she's afraid of taking that leap. Uh So I've been having like, my question I was going to ask is like, pretty much am I on the right path? And should I not be worried about my normal job, so to speak, because this is what I need to put my focus into? And is it okay to be feeling that way? And is, is, this, is this my intended path? Because I've also been very into chakras. And I've always had this weird experience where I remember people associated with a color. And when I was a cannabis grower, I'd always associated myself with green when I thought about myself. And right before I started this podcast, like a month before I was telling my girlfriend that like, I felt like my aura has changed and it's turned to blue and looking into that, that was like the speech chakra. So it just kind of, everything kind of like lined up in a weird way. And this is kind of how it's playing out. But I just, I wanted like confirmation that I'm continuing on the, on the correct path. Uh, That, that all makes a a lot of sense, especially with a couple of the cards that came up, Um, you know, always when something has to kind of come to an end, you're going to have the naysayers. Um, And because you're so um, tuned in to energy in the first place, that being wary of not allowing uh, any sort of negative arrows sort of slung your way. Um, It's not relevant it's not relevant to this new path that you're feeling drawn to do. Um, when you were talking about your girlfriend, um, the lover's card came up and it doesn't come up all that often, but where it came up in the spread to me means that there's a very strong relationship bond there. And both of you are walking a path together um, in this time frame. So what you do, and like you said, influences what she does, what she does influences what you do. And so part of that sort of double reading right there, because, you know, we injected her into this, you know, as I was laying it out, um, she's a strong woman, very strong woman. Oh, yeah, she and, is. um, you have good ideas together. Uh, and it's not just your good ideas influencing her. She has good ideas too. And together, there's um, a psychic bond as well and an intuitive understanding of the correct path. So the way this kind of laid out though, I'm also going to say that um, part of the karma, if you want to put it that way, or part of this juncture in the relationship is also uh, time. It's becoming time for her to be able to make decisions without you pushing her. And I think there's a part of her that knows this and kind of needs to do it herself and has to do it her way. 
And, you know, not saying, I don't mean to say that it's a situation where you're asking her to do it your way. I, I'm not implying that, but she's got to cogitate about this at her own pace and go about it her own way. So I would say there's going to be a situation where, uh, especially in speaking about the two of you together, that um, it'll, it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll happen uh, like a necessity and quickly. It, it's not going to necessarily be like this. Oh, I'm just going to wait. And then I'm going to suffer. And then I just, I'm going to hate getting out of bed and blah, blah, blah. It's going to be like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, it's done. I'll put it. Okay. This today I did this tomorrow. I'm doing something else or we are doing something else. So it seems like there's going to be a rapid, uh, this idea is growing. And then there's going to be an intuitive inspiration and then there's going to be that, I just don't have, my vibration isn't there anymore. Like you described, but, but because she's pretty much still in the middle of it. And so are you to some degree, I think it's going to come down to a, you're going to look at each other and just be like, today's the day it's, you know, so, um, I was actually talking to her today. Ironically, we were talking about that baby idea. I said, I wanted to start with my podcast, but I have this idea to, uh, basically create some form of like a media kind of company in a sense where. I wanted to make like cartoons and stuff like that, that talk about these concepts and things. Because my whole reason for starting this, another big reason was I'm trying to make a, like a chronicle for my kids to be able to see these open-minded concepts. Cause I don't want them to be going through the same struggle I did where I lived my whole life. People telling me not to think that way. Like I used to astro project as a kid too. So that was another connection I had with this. And then I get sleep paralysis directly after. And then mm -hmm funny you're talking about that connection with her and I because uh about a year or two ago I had this weird dream where the best way to describe it is dimension hopping and uh I kept waking up in these different places and I was trying to find her and every time I found her it wasn't the her that I know it was a different version of her so I would try to go back to sleep to try to wake back up again and it got so intense that when I did wake up I'm not normally a very emotional guy but I was crying because I felt like I finally found her and it was like the most one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had in my life so it's funny too because I'm an Aries and she's a Leo. So it's two signs that aren't supposed to go together, but everybody says that like, we're like the power couple, like nobody can touch us. We've been together 10 years and we're like the most level-headed people in our entire family. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to agree. And the cards agree as well that there's, so, you know, there's a few cards that come up for love and you know, a strong companionship and um, they both came up and they don't come up that often together. So, especially in the way it laid out. So what I was also going to say is, that what I was uh, going to say with, is there is an, you know, the idea baby with like the one that you just described. Um, so the funding for this, it's like the cards want to talk about the funding, a lot of money cards, the money is there, the funding is there and the ideas are there. And I want to say that your idea of creating this is one of the ways to continue to fund this mindset in this uh, media company, correct? The idea itself but I also feel like she has some ideas that have not been, that are still untapped about the actual funding. So I, I'm wondering if, you know, it's important to also encourage her to like speak her mind, like nothing's dumb here, just say it, you know, no, there's nothing off the table that's, you know, um, because there's, it's just wait. It's like, there's all these stacks of coins just waiting to fall into your purse. It's just, so I just heard, you know, like, it's also a bit of a confidence thing. 
you know um and when we leave we also when we leave old positions that we got kind of either comfortable in or married to or at a long time um and especially when it turns negative and you're unhappy there there is a little bit of a like period of licking your wounds and and recovering from the PTSD you know so uh, the, the sooner you can do that the faster whatever it takes it sounds i believe that you are both very um intuitive people especially with the experiences that you've had and i'll also say you know and I've, I've said this before publicly is that i think that people that have any sort of paranormal metaphysical experiences um they, it's really a, a shamanic awakening you know if you were in a different culture then it would not be seen as weird or a black sheep or any any of those things it would just be oh that's the shaman in the in the village or that's the witch or the whatever you know the the medicine person that it has you know their pineal gland is you know, through DNA, through, uh, you know, who know, who knows from God, you know, wherever it comes from. And if you shut that off and you put it away, um, then it's going to come out in other neurotic ways. So I think you, you both have those, all of those skills and you're already so in tune to know your throat chakra is where this energy flow is uh, possibly um, beginning to manifest and probably more than beginning especially if it's been happening since you were very young. So um, the way I lay them out is they come out in a little V, right? Mm -hmm. And then at the bottom is the one that really wants to like sum it up. And so with that, the two of you, there's a king here, there's a queen here, there's the love cards, there's the money cards. Like it's it's a beautiful, it's beautiful. And uh, at the end though, is work. Like there's work here. And I feel like it, 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 you're up for the work because the work is fun. You know, the work is inspiring and, you know, it's like what it's the kind of work where you're like, oh, sun's up, got to get to work, you know, instead mm -hmm. of like, ah, you know, it's, it's more like I'm going to uh, get my um, metaphysical tools out and go to work, um, you know, and your voice and everything else. So um, it's kind of like also the way they sort of came out was the male side, the female side, and um she is optimistic. That's the, like, not that you're not, but she's got an optimism and that I feel like saying, tell her to surrender to the optimism because sometimes if we get too hung up looking behind where we have a, we lose our, the proper vibration to move forward. If, if that makes sense, I'm sure that it actually sure lines up perfectly. Cause she uh, lost her mom about two years ago. And she's been getting to a point where she's realizing that through writing and stuff that she's been able to kind of express her feelings. So I've been kind of pushing her more towards into that. So it's like, I'm wondering if that's like her call to this is almost like a writer of sorts because she doesn't necessarily like being the face of things, but she's a very strong-willed woman from the time I've met her. And we've only done good for each other that I've helped her to push into that. Like I used to have drug problems. She pushed me away from that. And also kind of funny, by the way, you said that shaman comment because, uh, I've had a whole experience with mushrooms and uh, pretty much I, I took them the first time not having the right intentions. And I started hearing these like voices in the back of my head, basically saying like, you need to learn, you need to learn kind of a thing. Um, okay. And I had one of the worst experiences I've had in my life. But because of that experience, um, I said to myself that I'm not going to do them again until I learn their ways. So I uh, actually learned how to do mycology and became a, you know, an amateur mycologist. 
And then from there on, all of my close friends, because I was very specific about who I would give anything to, I was almost like their, I guess you could say like spiritual guide in a sense that I, they would come over my house and I would like help them work through it. And I would tell them like, feel everything that you need to feel because this is how you work through everything. So it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've also kind of felt like shamanistic aspects to myself. Yeah, I think we in, in our culture, we kind of um, are reluctant to call ourselves that or call somebody that because it feels like cultural appropriation or something like that. But essentially, that's what you are. You know, you brought medicine to someone, you, you, you know, like a curandero, they bring the curing, they bring the cure um, to, you know, I believe, and it's very possible that you also believe that all this ease starts with, you know, our psyches, you know, mind-body connection. And so if we're diseased in our mind about some past trauma or confusion or even past life stuff, then, then it's going to manifest in other ways, you know, even as uh, extreme as a physical disorder, you know? So um, yeah, it's very interesting uh, about the mushroom for you that, that is, I think there's a bit of a trickster element to mushrooms. I think, um, a little, some people even call them alien, you know, they're, I think they have a voice uh, that they have something to say because from my experiences too, the first time I took them again, after growing them myself, uh, they seemed happy and they were like telling me in the back of my head, it's not like a voice you hear. It's like a, you know, you get like a feeling and they're saying like, yes, you've learned, like we have so much to show you like that kind of a feeling in the back of my mind. And then ever so, since then, I've had this huge fascination with them, with a lot of respect included, that I don't just take them when I don't feel the need to take them. I only take them when I right. feel that they're calling to me. And it's well, I think very level-headed through the years. I think all of the plant spirits, they want you to learn. They want to teach you, but they, they really don't suffer fools. So if you're not respectful, then you know, they'll find a way to hand your ass to you, you know? <laughs> so... <laughs> um, yeah, very, very interesting. I also grew them for a while. I was just drawn to grow some. I was wanted to do some microdosing and I just wanted to try it, you know, and um, I was able to procure some spores and do that. And uh, I had them in a guest room when I was, you know, doing that. And um, I would feel like someone was in the room, you know, like, is somebody here? <laughs> you know, yeah, I was very particular where I would not go in that room if I was in a bad mood because I had another friend that would grow and he, everybody said that they got bad trips from his mushrooms and he was a very angry guy. He did like MMA and stuff. Um, and then everybody loved my stuff because they said it, like they felt happy when they took it. But I had this weird thing where I would never walk in that room angry. If I was pissed off one day, I wouldn't step foot near them. Um, I would play them music and stuff. So like there's a lot to them. They have a consciousness of some extent. And if you take care of them, they'll take care of you. Agreed. It's about the intent of the shaman, right? Or the whatever, the medicine person, how we could call it the magician or whatever. We could call it whatever we want, where we place our intent. So you as a um, healer have a lot of integrity You right from, you know, from the beginning. You know, I've done a, a fair share of ayahuasca and uh, all, many of them are very different. And I've known you know, the sh of, and have known the shamans that brewed it and their intention is felt, you know, in the same way that, you know, you're describing. I actually so. have another question too, now that I'm thinking about it. Well, two questions, I guess, I guess it was somewhat answered, but, uh, I guess I'm taking the right path. So I guess my other two questions for the cards would be, do I need to just take this jump and just let the money come as far as my work situation goes? 
And then my other situation, my other thing that I've been thinking about is uh, I've always had this fascination with DMT. Like it has something to tell me. And uh, I kind of like dabble here and there, but I've never done enough to like fully blast off. But the last time I did it, the reason why I haven't done it is because I not like a bad feeling, but uh, like I believe cats are very connected with that. So I hit a little bit and it was just enough where like if I took any more, I wouldn't be able to stand up. And I see all my cats looking at this pillow. So I turn my head to look at the pillow and I start seeing this uh, like geometric pattern within the pillow. And then this face comes out of it and it does this this kind of motion towards me. And then it fades away just as fast as I saw it. So like my I guess my other question would be, do I need to also take that plunge? Because there is a message for me on the other side of that. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's see what comes up. Actually, asking you your belief on it, I've heard from a lot of different podcasters that uh, they don't recommend putting their tarot readings in their podcast. Uh, coming from somebody that does them, uh, what's, what's your interpretation of that? Well, let's see at the end. I'll pull a couple cards on it and sit on that. Let me, uh, I'm doing, I'm just asking about the like quitting and uh, taking the leap, right? Because um, I also had this weird experience today where they, want me to be the sprayer, which is like the thing I hate doing the most there. And I'm like the leader and I already do a bunch of other stuff. And uh, I, I was extremely offended by this one particular thing they said, because I don't know how to explain it to them where like there's main religions and then there's like what I believe in. And I don't even know if there's like a name for what I believe in, but I believe in the spiritual world. So my connection with the spiritual world is also my hair, because um, I believe that a lot of your strength is in your hair. So I don't agree with cutting my hair. So that's why I got long locks. Uh, my grandma was very against it. She was 100 uh, percent Cherokee. Um, so pretty much they said, like, why don't you like to spray? And I said, because of my hair, I only wash it once a week. And they said, well, if it's something that interferes with work, it's your choice to get rid of it or deal with it. And I was personally offended by that because I felt like it's almost, like I said, not a religion, but almost like attacking my spiritual beliefs. And I feel like it was extremely wrong of them to even ask me that or say that. So that was another like thing today that was like a big factor in like I said, everything works out for a reason. It's, there's a reason I ended up talking to you today. It's, it's weird how all this stuff lined up. So, yeah. So, uh, it's so funny. The very first, uh, spread that I put down and then this one, which was the first one was talking about how, you know, leaving something else to go do something better. That's more of a life path. The same cards came up together and I'm just going to show, I know your listeners can't hear, but I'm going to show them to you. Right. So if you just kind of look at their general demeanor, I'm going to say that, that, that things aren't going to change at that job. They're, they're not going to get it. They're not going to necessarily, their motivation is not relationships. Their motivation is money. And so if, as you continue there, you will continue to be stabbed in the back or, or feel like you are put upon offended because they don't care. It's not relevant to what they're doing. What is relevant to you, however, is that um, this juncture in your life, this, this, this uh, sort of fork in your road, um, or, or more, it's more of a curve. It's this curve in the road where you're moving forward and you're going to, you're going to have to uh, take a new road. Um, that's coming whether you like it or not. So I want to say in, in some ways, like the universe is, wants you to take this other path so desperately that if you don't work on changing towards that, then you might find yourself not in that situation anymore, 
by their doing, if that makes sense. And I've seen this a few times with people where they're like, I can't believe I got fired, you know, like, like that. So whether I choose it or not, it's the universe wants it to happen. So it's going to end up happening, whether I do it on my own doing, or it does it on its own doing. So best case scenario, because the money's there, the money's there. The money also isn't going to just fall out of the sky. You're going to have to work for it. And and the reason that that is necessary is because you otherwise won't feel like you necessarily deserved it because you're a good person. Your place is intent, right? And this is part of your life path. The fool card came up and that is the hero's journey. So this fate awaits you despite your trepidation and it will facilitate as you continue to make your steps in that direction. So, you know, there are some things that need to be cut out though. And I'm not exactly sure what the, what those things are because, uh, because there's only so much time in the day. So that might be only you that might know that where it might be whatever you'd like, you're not, you're perhaps not used to working. Let me say an example, like leading up to this point in your life, you may have been like, okay, well, you know, I've got my schedule. I work nine to five. And then, you know, I do this and have dinner and blah, blah, blah. And the day's over. That's not what this is like. This is like, you wake up at midnight and you can't sleep. You're going to work till 2am kind of thing. It's funny because I did that last night too. I had some episodes I wanted to edit and I couldn't go to sleep. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this because I wanted to get it done. (laughs) That's the life. And so if there's any, it's almost like, I want to say like, um, as you're moving forward on this new road, do your best to leave as much of the programming behind, because this is all new uncharted territory. And there's a new way of thinking, new way of doing new way of living. And it's not only because it's something that you would like to do, it's because it's what you've been supposed to be doing. Right. So, um, and you know, you, you may say that you may feel like you have to defend your hair, you're not defending your hair, you're defending your beliefs. And so, you know, if you're not aligned uh, spiritually and energetically with where you spend your eight hours every day, even if you didn't have the other plans, that it would be destined to end. Even if it was, you were going to work for a different grower or something like that, you know? Um, So all I can say for sure is the vibration of those that come at you from your job, that's not going to change. They, they're just that way. And they, uh, because they're, you know, the first thing I said to you when we, um, the very first card that came out was the hermit. Right. And so to me, that tells me that you go inside and you think, you think very deeply, this ain't them, you know, they're, they're like time is money. I don't care about your hair. I don't, you know, that said, there's probably people that you do like there and that you do, you can vibe with. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ones whose role has been defined to make you take this leap. So when you look at the, you know, when the fool doesn't come up very often either, um, when the fool comes, it's the first and last card in, in the tarot and it's zero. And because it, 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 the archetype is you, this is you, this is your life. This is your path. This is this hero's journey. And when you look at the card, um, he's happily stepping, stepping off a cliff happily, you know, because he's embarking on the new journey and that's when it comes up as pivotal times in our life. So keeping that vibration, 
can help you uh, have confidence. Um, I also want to say too, with this transition out of the old job, it's very important to remain clever, like one step ahead. You know, so if if you can, and it may take some intuition, cogitating on your own, you know, meditation, um, like I had previously said, don't say or do anything without necessarily thinking it through, sleeping on it kind of thing, um, because you may be tempted. You may be tempted to just be like, fuck y'all, I'm out, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I was holding that back today too. So that was the funny part. I was sitting there like this going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as I left my head grower, I like normally say like, bye everybody. And I just kind of like did a little two finger wave. And she gave me this like look that she almost was like, like she, she knows something's up. Like she knows that she's lost my loyalty at this point. Like she yeah. finally kicked in with her. <laughs> yeah. And isn't that interesting? Cause what, you know, I don't think that anything is arbitrary. I think everything is connected. Everything is medicine, right? So, so this may be deep medicine for her as well, you know, because uh, if she has any bit of respect for you and she perhaps realizes that she um, might have not acted out of the best overall um, productive way for everybody. Um, there may be some regrets there. Um, I do see also, um, there is another fate kind of connected and coming in. And so because your other question was about the DMT, I'm just going to, I'm going to go down that road for a second because I feel like it might be a little bit related to it. Um, because of, Wheel of Fortune also has a bit of a trickster element to it. And um, with that, uh, you know, like the machine elves kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, there may be a, um, you may be feeling called to that for that reason. Um, Like that thing I was telling you, like maybe there actually is something that needs to be told to me in a sense, Like like there's something that's, that is trying to contact me from the other side also. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, like a guide, let's call it a guide, you know, not to sound too agey, new agey, but, um, all of those experiences that we're willing to surrender to such as, you know, any sort of psychedelics, um, we teach ourselves that we're willing to surrender and in surrendering, you're essentially saying, I don't know it all. And that shows your guides and the ether and the others, you know, whatever we want to call them, the, the, the teachers, um, that you're willing to shut up and listen, you know? So, um, I would say that that that's probably a, a very, um, positive desire or, or pull for you to know more. Um, Funny too, and, cause you know, I've had this feeling that it's almost like I'm almost like I want to know, but I'm scared to know because I always had this feeling in the back of my mind that it's the knowledge that is trying to be presented to me is something that will change my perception and I won't be able to go back from, if that makes any sense. It does. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I want to say that's all of our fear, all of our, um, um, you know, reservations about doing this stuff. And, you know, for the normies or the material realm, people have fears for all manners of reasons. Um, you know, for those of us that are willing to kind of surrender and, and leap off a cliff into the jungle, um, 
it, it's just that it's, I, I'm never going to be able to unknow it. And then will I ever essentially be the same in this case? And I, I really do think in most cases, anybody that's called to any, any of this, cause not everybody's called, I mean, it's been kind of weird too, where it's just like weird references and stuff too. Like I'll just be listening to something and it'll pop up. And uh, I've noticed this weird thing too, that like, whenever I start thinking about it, like it has a very distinct smell and no matter where I'm at, I like smell that smell within my nose. And it's just, it's another weird thing that I've been trying to kind of understand why I, every single time I think about it, I like smell it. And it's not like, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking there about for a second. Like I smell it vibrantly. Like I know it's somewhere around me. Like I'm looking for something that might be that's, that's producing that smell. I've totally done that before. I, I don't know what that is. The olfactory nerve in a certain part of your brain or, or your pineal. I had, but I do know what you're talking about. That's happened several times for me. Um, so, uh, the other thing that I feel is a distinct possibility probability is that part of the DMT medicine or the spirits, you know, the helping spirits, um, are seeking to help you overcome fear, you know, so as above, so below, if in the shamanic realms for let's call it that in the shamanic realms, if you can overcome fear then you can overcome fear here as well, because it's just an illusion. It's just based on programming, you know, what the stories you've heard and things that you've heard, but in there's another side of you and, you know, us that, that uh, a higher side, higher uh, self side that understand that everything is knowledge. You know, everything is uh, expansion if we can let go of fear. So, um, you know, they, it's said that, you know, there's only two realities, fear and love. And if you, uh, you know, if you can get rid of fear, then there's only love. So it's the hardest and it's an illusion, but love is not. So, um, where that might take you, it might lead you to yet another step. That's what I'm kind of sensing is that there'll, there'll be this, um, experience but it's not the last experience. It's not the end all. It's uh, one step in, in the, you know, a series of steps, but because you might, you'll show yourself that you're willing to overcome fear and surrender to something larger than yourself. Then you know yourself as someone that does that and it'll allow you to surrender to something else all in the process of understanding that you don't know it all, you know? And then also that fear was an illusion you know, sort of like going to a new school, you know, you're nervous to go to a new school and then you get there. You're like, what was I afraid of? That was so dumb. You know, it's kind of like that with that too. Cause I've overcome almost every other psychedelic where I don't feel fear for them. I kind of just let them do what they want to do, whether it be a good or bad trip. I, like I said, I see the law of duality in it, that bad things will result into a good thing. And every bad trip I've had on those has made me come to a lot of realizations. Um, the DMT thing, it's almost like, I feel like I've been knocking at the door with everything else. Mm-hmm. And like, I've always had this weird thing too, when I take psychedelics that I feel like something's watching me from around the corner just to see what I'm going to do. Like they're like mm-hmm. interacting in the sense of like, I don't know, like, like, it's almost like I'm a show. Like there's, there's something that's around that's like waiting for me to do something. I've and had that sensation too. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm wondering, wondering with this DMT thing too, in particular, is if like that may be, like you said, that, that step that makes everything come clear. And that's what I've been like waiting to experience within that and uh also i, I want to add this part before i forget to add it um when i used to astro project as a kid this one time i went to this place where the best way to describe it was 
like the blackness of space with stars off in the distance. And then there's like a purple galaxy that I was in, but I wasn't really standing or floating. I was just kind of in it and I was just there. And then I woke up. So now coming into my adult life, um, before my, my, I have a four, four month old son now, um, before he was born, uh, she ended up having a stillborn and we went through a lot of trauma through that. And I had this weird dream where I went back to that same place and there was a little boy that looked like me and said, that wasn't the right vessel for me. I'll see you on the next one. And that was the end of that dream. And he was about six or seven or so. So I'm waiting to see like when my son's that age, if it was the same kid or not. But I've also wondered what that place is that I go to that I've, I've seen twice, but it was exactly the same both times, except the second time, like I said, I saw my kid who ended up actually like a month later, I figured I was having another boy and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, I'll share, well, I've uh, had several out of body experiences, worked on it, you know, with the Monroe stuff. And, and then in my youth had lots of night terrors and sleep paralysis and all, you know, stuff that I think I feel like you could relate to. Um, but one experience that I had, and it was a a few all in the same week that were all related. And, uh, the middle one is I, I woke up. Well, I can't, I thought I woke up. I was still in this astral projection state, but I was laying in my bed only propped up and sitting. And there was this little purple, little purple ball of like electricity, sort Mm -hmm. of like, uh, was it like an orb? Because I've actually seen something. I was going to say that the first time I went to smoke DMT, there's this big purple orb that started forming in front of my vision. And it was almost like it was trying to say like, not the time, like, okay. So like, yeah, pushing so it, was me back. Like, it was like an electrified orb that was purple with all these little. And so in, I thought that I was in my waking state and it was in my bedroom hovering over my you know, chest. Mm -hmm. And I stuck my hand into it. And when I stuck my hand into it, it electrified my entire body, like a Kundalini thing. And as I opened my actual eyes, I could see my hand completely deformed. It was, it went in a, it was in a shape that my hand couldn't make. And that's how it felt too. And then when I realized I'm waking up with my hand going into this baby universe, Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, uh, then, then I realized that it was related to the dream that I had the night before, or the, uh, I guess, astral projection I'd had the night before. And then I had one the third night uh, like that. So I'm only telling you that because it, it sounds very similar to kind of the place that you went, how, and, and during it though, the reason I say it was like a baby universe is even though I was in my bed, there was no roof that, you know, it was just stars like nebulae and stars. So it felt like, uh, it off earth, I guess, yeah. um, like a universe. It, and so, uh, I don't know exactly what it was, but I certainly, uh, and how could I, and, or even if I did, I probably, we don't have the language to necessarily explain it, but it did feel significant. And it felt like, um, you know, they say like, uh, have you ever heard like that there, there might be an entire universe in a single cell mm-hmm. and, or we might be a single cell in a other body, you know, like our universe might be a single cell and, you know, the micro and the macro mm-hmm. it felt something like that. Like that's the best I can kind of explain it is it felt like 
there was a baby universe. What was that? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and it does, I, I, I have not smoked DMT. I almost had the opportunity and I do have the opportunity whenever I'm ready. Um, but it, I'm presuming that it's not unlike some ayahuasca journeys I've had in terms of perhaps fractals and other visiting spirits and uh, downloads and insights and uh, things like that. However, I know it's very uh, quick, you know, <laughs> I've heard it's very fast and can be very extreme. You know, they say um, it's a, uh, you feel it's almost like everything that you're seeing feels more real than real life too. Yeah. That was, that was my other thing that I, I feel like it's, I've always had a belief that like almost like our, our body's like a vessel. And I feel like when you smoke DMT, you go back to wherever we are intended from. And like my, my viewpoint, maybe possibly of the place that I saw that I've kind of developed my own, just from my own thinking is I believe that it's either the start of whatever the universal consciousness is, like it's, it's location within the universe or two, it's some form of like, I don't want to say nursery, but like birthplace for consciousness. Wow. That, that's been wow, kind of my, yeah. my, what I've been wondering about it. Uh-huh. That kind of rings true because of course, you know, it's it, you, with any astral projections that I've had, um, that's not a dream, you know, or, you know, many of the ayahuasca journeys way more real than this place, you know, and that's why I think people who are psychonauts and, and, you know, they, they're really given kind of a bad name. It's hard to just, how can you uh, criticize someone if you haven't tried it yourself? How can you say, oh, you're just tripping, bro? You know, like, well, have you? Like, and w- did you have the sensation when you came back that it was more real than this illusion? Uh, you know, but I, I kind of think that's intentional <laughs> by our, you know, overseers, you know, it, our I feel like that's programmers. where we came from almost like that's where we belong. And that's why we get that sense and feeling there that it's more real than real is because it's almost like we're, experiencing something we're supposed to experience by being in this realm, but that's where we're intended to be or where we came from. Yeah. And that just, you got to kind of wonder what's the reason for the meat suit, you know, what's the ultimate, uh, uh, motivation there, you know, free will. I guess we come and, you know, we're a piece of God experiencing itself or, you know, divine content, you know, I've always had this idea that, um, like the meaning of life is experience and experiences. Cause if there's anything that you could take with you, if you are some type of consciousness, it's the experiences that you've experienced and coming from me with my life and all of the struggles that I've been through. Um, like I don't talk to my mother's side of the family because I decided that they were very toxic people and I didn't want them around me or my kids. Um, like every, every bad thing that happens is intended for a reason and it leads into a further thing that's thing that's supposed to happen later on like i wouldn't be nearly as head as strong mentally as i am now if it wasn't for all those experiences and if it wasn't for everybody telling me not to think the way that i did and ask why i wouldn't have pushed back the other direction and wanted to ask why i would have just kind of left that what it was you know same yep i can totally relate to that isn't it funny like this whole sort of podcast community or a bunch of freaking free thinkers, you know, and our families are like, okay, go do your thing, I guess, you know? It's funny too. Cause it's like my uh, girlfriend's family support, even though they're not necessarily into these topics and stuff, but like, as far as like, I do talk to my dad, uh, he's kind of one of those people that's like, I don't really like podcasts, but man, good job, I guess. Like he, <laughs> he kind of like comments his way, but he doesn't realize that it's kind of like a backhanded comment. And I feel like a lot of it is because of he's had a very, like, he, my mom and him didn't didn't 
weren't really ever intended to be together. It was just like a once thing that happened and then I came out of it. So I feel like he has so many regrets in his life that he doesn't like, like he wants to be happy for me, but at the same time, he's just like, why can't my life have turned out better? Cause even he was like, oh yeah, your current girlfriend, you know, girls come and go, blah, 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 blah. I've been with her for 10 years now and you know, we just get stronger every day. So I feel like he's almost like mad that I found the person that I was like intended to be with at the wow. age that I did and that I'm actually doing this kind of shit for myself because he's like one of those people that's like he has the like an idea to do something but he never puts it into practice so he like gets mad at me sometimes because I'm the type that'll like go gung-ho into everything and he'd always be like oh you know you got a new hobby now or, like whatever like oh a new hobby yeah that's what you do and he didn't realize that I just never found the right spot to be so that's why I tried all these things and now because of me trying all these things now I consider myself like a jack of all trades that I can be a little bit everywhere and understand a little bit of everything. And then, I mean, that plays into my show with the whole, like, I want to have as many ranges of topics as possible because that's just how my mind works personally. <laughs> like, I don't want to yeah. like limit myself to one specific topic because I'm interested in all of these topics. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's doing some classic projection, you know, like where he feels like he, you know, which is not uncommon with them. Um, I don't think it's uncommon with generational differences, especially this sort of time, you know, it's, it's very sad too, because I, I think the, um, the ancestor descendant uh, relationship is very sacred, you know, but it, I think it all goes back to programming. Again, I blame the, uh, you know, the Tavistock Institute for trying to pull this social engineering shit on us, you know, like I just don't, before all of this, I think our, the generations were, you know, close and respectful and, you know, uh, encouraging. And, you know, I, uh, I'm just making that assumption, but I think, I don't think we've ever been more divided than we are now. And I think it's by design, you know, yeah, it's, it's definitely on purpose. It's funny too, my dad in particular, that my grandma was Cherokee, hundred percent Cherokee, very into being Cherokee, very into like spiritual things. So she kind of like tried to make my dad like that, like didn't want him to cut his hair, stuff like that. And he, uh, just wanted to blend in and be like everybody else. Mm. And he wanted that for me, even as like a teenager, there was one time I got in trouble. He made me cut my hair short and wear polo shirts and stuff like that. And I was wow. just like, yeah, this, this isn't me. Like no matter yeah. what, what happens here, like I don't want to be like everybody else. I've learned a long time ago that I was never intended to be like everybody else. So I'm not going to pretend like I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there also might be, you know, if he feels like he doesn't know anything about podcasting or the things that you're interested in, you know, he is just a guy. He's just, a, he may feel a little bit insecure about his lack of, uh, you know, knowledge about that, you know, kind of reminds me of, you know, I've got a 19 year old son and he's a gamer, right. Mm -hmm. And gamers to, to like the boomers, <laughs> um, they get a bad rap, you know, like when he get, you know, I've had people say like, was he in his room all day gaming? I'm like, he kind of knows what he's doing. I have no idea what, but he does. And I love him. And so I just need to trust him, you know, like we're moving I, to a digital world. I mean, it's almost, yeah. like, that's going to be, I keep saying, telling people like, that's going to be the next professional like sport, honestly, totally. it's already doing that with Twitch and stuff. And like, I can't even, I used, I was a big avid video game player when I was a teenager and I can't even play anymore because the level of players is so much drastically different than it used to be. I can't even stay alive for longer than five minutes. And I see these, like, I see my like younger nephews and stuff like that. And they're, they're like seven and they're just like running around wrecking people. I'm just like, wow. Like I was like that when I was a kid, but now like I'm nowhere near this level yeah. that you guys are like, this is a whole other yeah. game at this point. 
it's another game, but you know, everything in moderation, right? True. No, like, because I think anybody can take, take even that to the degree where they haven't seen the sun in a month, you know? So I, I, you know, I I don't know. And who am I to judge really, you know, like in, in just speaking about my son, I know he's a, he's uh, very intelligent and he's a deep thinker and that's what he likes to do. You know, I mean, they're amazing uh, problem solvers. I mean, totally people don't realize it, but like people who play video games end up being very good at fast paced thinking and problem solving. Right. Right. Yeah. So just like with the, you know, him not understanding the podcasting world or even the, uh, the topics that, you know, there are, might seem extreme to, you know, a muggle, <laughs> um, you know, um, just, you, you must know that he loves you. And on some level, he's just maybe kind of trying to push away his insecurities about not knowing you, you know? So, um, that's the truth of it though. <laughs> yeah. His mother is the Cherokee. Yeah, she's hundred percent. Uh, she's from Red Clay, which I believe was Georgia. Georgia, wow. Okay, and she's with us still. She she passed away when I was in seventh grade, actually. Oh and wow! I've always had this like, I don't know, like I feel I feel like her particularly follows me because I feel like she's she out of anybody of my ancestors that I know, like I feel like she's the one that enjoys the path that I've taken because you know, a lot of my spiritual ideas I've gotten from things that she said to me when I was a kid, like the whole cutting your hair thing. <laughs> well, yeah, as, as she would. Right. And like I had said, that whole ancestor descendant, I've seen that um, dynamic many times with, in, with ayahuasca journeys, you know, reminders of to not, to not um, deny that, to, to honor that uh, relationship. And I would say, even with your mother and father, whether they can go there or not honoring the lineage, you know, and, um, it, it, even if you may not be, it may not necessarily see eye to eye on everything at the moment, you signed a contract before you got here with both of them for a reason. So is it, uh, you know, those, those maybe buttons that get pushed on your part, they're there to teach you something and they agreed to be the te- the teacher, you know, so, um, that's kind of true with my parents. Cause I guess my mom was the one that taught me to let go of things you don't need in your life. If, and then my dad with his like unintentional pe- pessimism, I'm using the correct word for that. Um, has actually like motivated me to be more of like a drive. Cause I almost like, he used to get mad that I challenged him as a teenager, but he didn't realize that like, it's because I wasn't getting challenged in the way that I hope to be challenged. <laughs> yeah 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 that's pretty cool that you see that you know um because I, I think that's typical parent child relationship you know you have to autonomize and um move in a whole other direction there is something about parents because you're a parent and when you're when your children are older there is some there is some ingrained uh, sensation that you still think you own them or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've got three kids and there's, you know, I'll like that is a lesson for this time in my life as I'm like, they never actually belong to me. They just came through, you know? And so I don't know, was that uh, placed on our, in society for a reason, or is that, you know, sort of instinctual? I don't know. I mean, don't know we're one of the only animals in the animal kingdom that 
you know, stay in contact with their parents. You know, it's kind of, we're like the odd ones out. It almost makes you wonder if that was ever intended to be intentional, if that was intentional or if it was something that we programmed into ourselves. But I mean, me, myself, I've always had this idea that like my animals live at the house and stuff. I don't like to say I'm like their owner or anything. I just say like, they live here. This is their house. Like they're part of the family. Yeah. Kind of like have the same view of my kids in the sense that I've said it a million times that I want them to follow whatever path they choose to follow. I don't want to push them down any particular path and I'm going to support no matter what path they choose to go down as long as they learn to think for themselves. So like because of my relationship with my parents, like I feel a protectiveness over my kids, but I don't necessarily, I don't know if I necessarily feel like an ownership myself personally. It's more of like a, like a protection that yeah. doesn't matter the age. doesn't matter if there's a guy that's twice my size If anybody's going to hurt my kids. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'll die yeah. in the process of protecting them, you know? And that's not even like an ownership thing. It's just, I want them to fulfill and live a happy life that they deserve to live because they didn't pick to come to this realm. I picked for them to come here. So right. <laughs> like I right. owe that to them. <laughs> It, it kind of reminds me of like, I haven't done deep study on it, but, you know, here and there I have come across things about the uh, social behavior of wolves, you know, like they, the wolves, they essentially stay in a pack because it's, you know, for safety and security. And, you know, they also have uh, fun, you know, like they've got their various ways they behave. And, um, but also when a, a wolf comes of age, you know, they're, they're a, uh, they are an actualized adult as a part of the community, as opposed to, you know, when your 60 year old dad still wants to tell you what to do when you're 30, you know, like <laughs> there's no projection with wolves, you know, True. Uh, that be- beautiful so- social order, you know, respecting the elders, but then also training the, the young wolves, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. After finishing the tarot reading, I know you said that you, uh, I asked a question about whether or not this should be on my podcast. So now that we're at the end here, I'm kind of curious what, what the cards say in reference to that, if this should be something that should be out in the open or if it's something that's that should right. be private. Yeah. Let's, let's see. Cause I've always had this idea that maybe like I've always had this mis- this idea that keeping stuff in makes it so you seem like a stronger person. But lately I've gotten to this concept where you have to own your demons and own the things that are part of your past because they actually can be motivational and help other people who are going through dark times. So that being said, I've been trying to be a little bit more open with my experiences in my life, hoping that maybe these words will get to somebody, they'll resonate, and then they'll help them through a hard time in their life. You know, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. So if there's any <clears throat> anyone out there that ha- reads tarot or knows the, you know tarot at all, um, I had pulled the King of Cups uh, out, or I had asked for a card that represented you. And so that's been sitting above the whole time. The three cards that I just pulled in turn uh, in to, to answer your question, I'm using a full deck. There's major arcana and minor arcana. I pulled three major arcana in a row. And the first was the Hierophant. The next was the star. And then the next was the, stun, the sun. So in terms of... Um, anything when you have the star and the sun it's very positive um vibration but especially with the hierophant because the hierophant um is essentially an occult teacher right so with your listenership and their interests they're they're essentially coming to you for uh deeper occulted knowledge and so 
being followed by those two, I would say most absolutely. And then you said what you said about, you know, uh, sharing uh, the real side of you, you know, like we, we, we live in a, we have lived enough of ungenuine people. (laughs) So, you know, coming that I, that I'm going to throw out there is very likely you're, your strongest attribute is your willingness uh, to be humble and uh, um, on the journey and sharing your experience, you know, and I I think that uh, that comes through with, to me through our conversation with you. um, But also I think to your podcast listeners. So um, I I think that it may very much help touch uh, somebody else that needs to hear the words or needs to hear your experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a yes. Beautiful cards, three major arcanas all in a row, all right set up. That doesn't happen all the time, you know? It seems like through my life, I've always been that type that has the weird chance that always happens to me. And it's funny that with this card reading that my combination of cards that you've got, you've said are very uncommon cards to actually see together, but they're very positive when they are together. And just like I was saying with, uh, with with my lady being the Leo and the Aries, it's kind of funny how all the weird chances that aren't supposed to work seem to always fall in my place. Yeah, I like to just follow the path and just let it let it see where see where it goes, essentially. You've I believe you have guidance. You know, you don't have that Cherokee blood for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I really would hope that you would uh, come back onto the show again very soon. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure that all the listeners have thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. Uh, Before we get going here, uh, two things. Is there any words of wisdom that you would like to leave everybody with? And two, where can everybody find you if they're interested in learning more about you? Let's see, words of wisdom. I guess on the fly, words of wisdom might be um, practicing not allowing others to have power over you, whatever that looks like. Um, Having power over yourself and not having power over others. And the reason that I say that is I think that when we're on this spiritual journey, we look for teachers and teachers are absolutely vital and fantastic, but um, not any teacher that has power over you, you know, it all, you have the answers and trust your own intuition to find the best teacher, whether it's a book, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, you know, a trip, you know, or whether it's an actual guru type or, or a practice or yoga or whatever, you do have the answers. And so, especially when I come across young people uh, that are seeking, you know, I I always want to tell them like, you are your own guru. You are your own shaman. There's no uh, down this path. There's no right way. There's no, there's only your way. So, um, and I, I, I think I, when I was younger, I wish someone had said that to me, you know, like, no, this is the way to set up an altar. You set up your altar your way, you know, like, <laughs> I just want to say, girl, put whatever on that altar you think is appropriate for you. Cause it's your, you know, this is your spiritual life. You're, you know, and so with, with, you know, like the title of your podcast and the way you are, I would think that you're going to, you, you have a lot of seekers, a lot of spiritual warriors and stuff, you know? So um, and if I'd kind of had that advice, like, you don't have to do it anybody's way, do it your way, you know, make it yours, make it your own. So that's my words of wisdom on the fly. <laughs> and then, um, so uh, for the mediumship, I have a website and it's, um, um, it's WhitneyFoxMedium.com. 
And then I have an Instagram and it's uh, tricksterfox7. And I'll also include the links uh, down in the description bar for anybody that's interested. Thank okay. you again for coming on the show. I really appreciate this conversation for everybody tuning in. I hope you stay till the end and I can't wait to see you on the next one. This has been Inquiries of Our Reality. I'm your host, Shane. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks, Shane. If anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic question for the show, or has anything they feel they can contribute to the show, please send me an email at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast@outlook.com. If you'd like to donate to the show so I can eventually do this as a full-time thing, please check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash inquiriesofourrealitypodcast. And of course, follow me on social media for updates on the show. For Instagram, it's going to be www.instagram.com slash inquiriesofourreality. And for Facebook, it's going to be www.facebook.com slash inquiriesofourrealitypodcast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.